Hey, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Dreff and Friend show. One day late, November 20th, 2013. I could not make it yesterday, so the show got delayed by one day. Hopefully you got the message. If not, you're catching it at some point in the archives, or maybe you are anyway. I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus. This is Poker Fraud Alert Radio, where we talk about all kinds of things related to the world of poker and gambling. A focus on the scams and scandals aspect, but also general poker news and general gambling news. And just a lot of weird stuff we have on the show as well that has very little to do with gambling. Just a variety show is the best way to put it. I have a rotating group of co-hosts. I don't have a regular co-host. The closest thing we have to that now is China Maniac, who is a frequent guest co-host. But uh, we have a revolving door of co-hosts, and some weeks we do not have any co-hosts at all. And so far this week... That's the way it's going to be. But maybe we'll pick up a co-host during the show. You never know what happens. If you want to call into the show, we have two different phone numbers you can reach me on. The two phone numbers are 775-FRAUD-55. That's our main phone number, 775-372-8355. Make sure to show your caller ID before calling in. Dial star 82 beforehand to do that. Otherwise, you will not get through. And if you want to call our 702 number, it's our Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is a mountain that hangs over Las Vegas. has snow on it during the winter. You can actually ski on Mount Charleston, very close to Las Vegas. It's an old 70s telephone that sits on top of Mount Charleston and forwards over to wherever I am broadcasting this show from. The phone number, the Mount Charleston line, is 702-430-1808-702-430-1808. If I do not answer your call, please just give it 15 minutes or so and try again. It probably means I'm in the middle of something and just can't take the call at the moment. Please do not hammer the show with calls over and over, or I just won't take your call at all whenever I see it come in. Also, if you don't want to call in, you can communicate with me through the chat room. We have a chat room at the top of the screen of PokerFraudAlert.com. It's a button that says chat, kind of towards the top left of the screen. You need an account on the PokerFraudAlert forum to chat in there. But I will try to read that as often as possible. It's harder to read everything in chat when I'm doing the show alone, but I try to catch what I can. But if I don't respond to you in the chat room, don't get mad. I probably just don't have time to read it, because if I sit there and read everything in the chat room, then the show will have plenty of dead air as I'm reading, and nobody wants to hear that. We have a free roll tonight, as we do every week on this show. When I say a free roll, I mean real cash money you can win. What do I mean by real cash money? Exactly as it sounds. Cash. If you win money in our free roll, I send you cash. Whether it's actual cash, whether it's a bank transfer, whether it's PayPal, I really do send you cash. I don't just send you money on some shady poker room that you may or may not ever be able to cash out. It's real cash. And we have it every week. Our free rolls usually range between $50 and $100. Sometimes a little less, sometimes a lot more. This money is all donated by our users, and this week's free roll is going to be $68. $68, and I'd like to thank the following people for donating to it. I Am Greek donated $5. KevMath donated $10. Unlearn donated $25. Bubbles donated $20. And Mulva donated $8. The prize pool information, first place, $35. Second place, $18. Third place, $10. Fourth place, $5. We pay four spots. To qualify for the free money, the only only, uh, requirement to qualify for the free money is you have to have a 
registered account on Poker Fraud Alert's forum by January 1st, 2013. It has to be dated that date or before. If you registered after that, no problem. Email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me you've been listening to the show or reading the forum for at least the last three weeks. Tell me what you've seen, tell me what you've read, tell me what you've heard, and tell me things that make it obvious you've been around reading or listening, not just uh, quickly copied a description of the show. So don't, don't just email me saying, I, I enjoy the show, I enjoy you talking about scandals in poker. That's not going to convince me. Once I give you an exception to qualify for the free money, you have it for as long as the site stays up. So you only have to do this once. And if I know you from somewhere in the past, either a past forum or know you in person or whatever, then you qualify anyway. So that's what you need to do. You need to do it before the free roll starts, which will be at 7.40 Pacific Time in about 22 minutes. There is no late registration. It takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top center of PokerFraudAlert.com. You do need a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, but good news, it's completely free. You don't even need play chips to enter the tournament. So all you have to do is sign up a free account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, go on, register for the tournament before 7.40 p.m. Pacific, and you're in. That's it. Nothing more to do over there. The tournament this week will be No Limit Hold'em, as it usually is. Sometimes we have different games. This week it will be No Limit Hold'em. I will give you our agenda here for tonight's show. And as always, you never know if we will stick to the agenda or if we will add other elements. But we always cover everything on the agenda, and then sometimes we have additional things we do too, just depending upon what comes up during the show. So you never know what to expect here. But here is what we have on tap to discuss tonight. The big story this week, Venetian and Palazzo owner Sheldon Adelson has announced an upcoming assault on the legalized U.S. online gambling. And when I say the legalized U.S. online gambling, I'm talking about the existing U.S. online gambling, like in New Jersey and Nevada, sorry, Nevada and New Jersey starting tomorrow. Nevada's been going since April. Uh, And future legalized online gambling. Sheldon Adelson is trying to prevent that. He's going to spend a lot of money. He's going to be forming a lot of coalitions to prevent that. So I'm going to talk all about what he's doing, my opinion of Sheldon Adelson, my opinion of what he's doing. And surprisingly, it might differ from your opinion of the situation I'm not jumping on the anti-Sheldon Adelson bandwagon saying that he's an evil guy who must be stopped at all costs. No, I'm not. Believe it or not, I'm not going to be bashing Sheldon Adelson all that much on this show. I'll tell you I disagree with what he's doing. But I think a lot of people are overreacting. And I will explain my point of view in the first segment we're going to have on this show. An associated topic to this is the American Gaming Association's response to Adelson. Uh, After Adelson announced his attack that's going to be coming up on online poker and online gambling, uh, the American Gaming Association, which is a group of owners of casinos, basically, responded to Adelson publicly with their own statement about how they feel about online poker and online gambling. And... uh, 
I'll read that for you and give my opinion on that as well. A New Jersey state senator is attempting to add foreign players to the legalized New Jersey online gambling market. What I mean by this is right now in New Jersey, starting tomorrow, you're going to be able to play poker and also uh, online casino games through various sites that have been licensed in New Jersey. But you can only play poker against people in New Jersey. And you have to be standing in New Jersey to use those sites. So you cannot play in the New Jersey legalized online casinos unless you're physically standing in New Jersey when doing it. Well, a state senator wants to add the ability for New Jersey to offer these same games to foreign countries where online gambling is legal. Now, this won't affect other states because other states still will not be able to play on the New Jersey sites, but they're trying to add to their player pool, both in the casino and in the poker room, where you'll be able to have foreign players there, just not other state U.S. players. It's an interesting attempt. I remember reading about the fact that uh, they were going to they were thinking about doing this, and now it is going to be attempted. We'll see if it actually occurs. So it'd be kind of weird in these New Jersey poker rooms. It's like New Jersey people and people from all over the world, but nobody else in the United States. Quad Jacks, remember them? Quad Jacks got to be best known on Black Friday two and a half years ago when they did some kind of like week-long continuous broadcast. I'm not even kidding. It was like a, a broadcast that started on April 15, 2011. And went and went and went for something like 200 hours straight. Uh, they rotated some hosts in and out. It wasn't the same people. But, uh, boy, they put a lot of effort into that. One of the people who really spent a lot of time on that was Marco Valerio, who's the best-known person on Quad Jacks. And uh, I actually think they kind of stole the idea from us because I was over on a different website on April 15, 2011, and we did the first radio show about Black Friday as it was happening, and we did the show for about six hours, and then right when we ended, Quad Jack started theirs, and then they just kept doing theirs for over a week, and that's kind of what put them on the map. Uh, Marco Valerio eventually left Quad Jacks, as did Seriously Serious, who joined them uh, shortly after Black Friday. They both left thanks to the antics of Zack the Snake in the Grass, but... Quad Jacks was then bought this year by totally different people, and they hired Marco back. It was not clear the ownership structure, but it looked like Marco was an employee of Quad Jacks, and these guys hired him. But he's gone. He's left again. <laughs> so, <laughs> Marco has left Quad Jacks for the second time. We'll talk about that. Now, what if you could be taught how to play perfect no-limit hold'em in cash games? Wouldn't that be great if you could find someone to coach you whenever you wanted? Someone who would go over your hands that you've played and would recommend changes to your game. In fact, would tell you every mistake you made and how much that mistake is costing you. Wouldn't that be great if you had someone like that who went over every single hand you ever played and who was an expert game theorist? Well, supposedly... This exists now, except it's not a someone, it's a something. A program called Poker Snowy is claiming that it can train you to be a perfect no-limit cash player based upon your existing hand histories. And Poker Snowy is deriving its own knowledge by playing itself as a bot. 
Poker Snowy was basically a bot that played itself for, I don't know, billions of hands and claims to have developed perfect no-limit hold'em cash game game theory. And now what it will do is analyze your hands and tell you how they compare with what Poker Snowy would do in the same spots. I will talk about what Poker Snowy is and whether I believe its claims. This is not an ad for Poker Snowy, by the way. They're not a sponsor of this site, and I'm going to give you my honest opinion of that service. Well, some weird results came in for the Poker News Junior Junior Presenter Voting Contest. As a lot of you know, Seriously Serious' girlfriend, Sarah Albright, was trying to become a junior presenter on Poker News. And they had a contest where you watch a video submitted by a bunch of hopefuls who wanted the job, and then you would vote for the best video, or the person you liked the best. Well, they acted very strangely on Poker News about this. They actually delayed the contest by about 15 days, I believe, just as it was ending. Like, the contest was ending, and they say, oh, you know what, we're going to delay it 15 more days. You have 15 more days to vote, which some people were suspicious of. Then, shortly before the results were announced, it was said that the results don't really guarantee a job at Poker News, and that it's just one factor they're going to consider. So I pretty much took down the whole value of the contest, because if they're not going to hire that person anyway, necessarily, they may hire the second or third or fourth place person. Why even bother winning? Well, the results were posted, and it makes the situation even weirder. I will explain and give my opinion as to what is going on over there. Caesars has obtained a license to offer games in New Jersey starting tomorrow, November 21st. They will be operating a an online casino attached to their Bally's property in Atlantic City. We'll talk about that. Payouts for the full tilt remissions, that is for U.S. players who had money stuck on full tilt after Black Friday that Howard Lederer and Ray Batar stole from you. You will supposedly supposedly start getting your money back on March 31st, 2014. I think that's very soon, a lot sooner than I had anticipated, given all their problems. The, The time to submit your petition to get the money has already ended. But supposedly they're still taking late submissions, but it's not guaranteed uh, that these will be processed. But supposedly they're going to start paying on March 31st. I, I doubt that, but I'll describe what's going on there and give my opinion as to whether this is really going to happen and how smoothly it will go. Well, I had an interesting point of view brought up to me recently. I've talked about Caesars a lot on here. I've talked about becoming a Caesar 7 star. I've talked about trying to do all you can to maximize the value out of casino promotions. Even if you do this in a way that's kind of contrary to what the casino was hoping you would do. If you use some kind of technicality or loophole in the promotions to give yourself extra value. I don't mean cheating. I don't mean anything illegal. I mean just trying to extract the maximum value out of every casino promotion to where sometimes it will become positive expectation for you even to play negative expectation games. Someone brought up a point to me that they felt that I was doing something unethical by advocating this. That it doesn't make any sense. It's hypocritical 
that I would come on this show and bash people who steal and scam from the poker community, bash companies like Lock Poker who do shady things, and then pretty much promote... Uh, I don't know how to put it, but pretty much promote uh, exploiting loopholes in companies like Caesars in their promotions. How, how could I be doing both? I'll explain why I don't feel it's unethical to try to get over on casino promotions, and I'll do that towards the end of the show. Bitcoins, we talked about them some. They went crazy again. Last week when we did the show, Bitcoins were in the 300s, up from the 100s, where it had sat for a very long time. Well, it rocketed up to $900 this week at one point, then fell down some, Today crashed down as low as $453, but then rebounded. Currently, it's sitting in the $600 range. It may change during this show. It could be all the way back up to $900 again, or all the way back down to $400 or below by the time we finish the show. But I'll talk about what's going on with the Bitcoins and whether I think it's a good investment to try to get in on this uh, current Bitcoin run-up. And what I would suggest to get in as far as buying Bitcoins for profit. Also, I will give you my opinion as to the future of Bitcoin. Finally, BadGuy23 and his ex-girlfriend Josie, who we've had on the show, both of them a lot recently. Uh, if you remember, we had Josie on the show, I think two weeks ago, accusing Bad Guy of stealing Vicodin from her when he stayed at her house, and she really bashed him all over the place. He showed up on Poker Fraud Alert last night and really bashed her back. Then on a special show run by Beer and Poker, a kind of an emergency radio show, they fought together on the phone. Well, they may or may not call in. I have a feeling they will, or at least Josie will. And we will have round two here. We'll get more information as to what's going on with the two of them, Bad Guy and Josie, and figure out who's right. Bad Guy's actually mad at me, saying after all the times he's called into the show... After all the support he's given this show, how could I just put his ex-girlfriend on to bash him like that? And how could I blindly believe her as to the accusation she was making against him? And I, I told Bad Guy, I didn't blindly believe anything. I was questioning the story. I was trying to find anything that could possibly be a hole in the story. Or even tried to suggest that perhaps she was confused. Maybe Bad Guy didn't really steal the pills and she thought she had more than she did. Or somehow lost it herself. I'm not saying that's what happened, but I tried to bring up all the possibilities to the audience that maybe bad guy wasn't guilty. Though at the same time I wasn't saying Josie was lying, at the same time I wasn't saying I didn't believe it. I was exploring it from all angles, which I think is the most fair way to do it, but we'll hear from them maybe later in the show. For those of you that are hoping to have this at the beginning of the show, we're not going to, because this show, most of the audience here and I really try to do what the audience wants to hear, not what I want to do, not what I find enjoyable, but I want to present on this show what the audience the majority of the audience really wants to hear, and at the same time please the minority audience I don't mean the minority audience from a racial standpoint, I mean the minority percentage of the audience that wants to hear other segments that uh, the majority may not love but some people really enjoy as well So the way I do this here is that I put kind of the more frivolous stuff towards the end of the show. So this way people can turn it off if they don't like that sort of thing. Because I have people coming up to me saying, oh, I love the the poker news segments you do. I love the 
scams and scandal segments you do and the analysis of stuff in the poker world, I want to hear more and more about this, but when you put on stuff like Bad Guy and Josie, I hate it. Why are you putting this on? It makes the show into a circus. And others say, I don't want to hear this boring poker crap. I I want to hear the entertaining stuff. And I understand that we have both groups of listeners, but this is called Poker for Alert Radio. I do want to do the more serious topics first and then get to the crazier stuff later knowing that anyone who doesn't enjoy the crazier stuff can just end it and turn off the podcast and it's done. So, we'll do the stuff tonight, but that'll be the order. So let me get to the Sheldon Adelson stuff. And by the way, seven minutes till the free roll starts. And make sure to get in there in time, because we don't have late registration. So Sheldon Adelson... Owner of Venetian and Palazzo He's the owner of the Las Vegas Sands Group The reason it's called the Las Vegas Sands Group Is because the Venetian used to be the Sands Hotel a long time ago You remember that? Remember uh, decades ago when the Sands was a big deal in Las Vegas? It was destroyed a long time ago There's actually still a Sands Convention Center Attached to the Venetian And in fact uh, Spring Mountain Road in Las Vegas used to be called Sands Most of the major streets in Las Vegas, especially the ones that go east-west, are named after prominent hotels that existed decades ago. Some of them, like Flamingo and Tropicana, still exist. Other ones, like Desert Inn and Sands, don't. And some of them have even had their names changed, like Sands became Spring Mountain. But, anyway, the Las Vegas Sands Corporation is owned by Sheldon Adelson. He's a really, really, really rich Jew. He's 80 years old. He's a billionaire. And this is a guy who is not shy about stating his opinion and stating his position on various political issues and definitely putting his money where his mouth is. He's not just some rich guy who talks. He's a rich guy who expresses what's important to him and then throws a ton of money at it. Now, a lot of people don't like this. A lot of people think this makes him bad or evil or terrible. They picture him like a villain in a really bad Hollywood movie where Sheldon Adelson is plotting to do something awful and mean and evil and spends $100 million doing it and says, Now I will control the world! (laughs) And then thunder and lightning boom in the background as Sheldon Adelson laughs. That's not what really happens. Sheldon Adelson, like you or I, has his strong opinions. But unlike you and I, he can donate meaningful money, very meaningful money, to get the job done whenever he wants to see something happen. For example, he really, really wanted Mitt Romney to win. He did not like Barack Obama. He supported Mitt Romney big time. He contributed $100 million to the Romney campaign. And a lot of people were really angry about that, saying, you know, $100 million to beat Barack Obama. And people were, people who were, especially Democrats, were really angry about this, that a billionaire like this would spend this sort of money to defeat the incumbent president and that this was just a jerk who was trying to buy the presidency for his candidate of choice. Well, the truth is, this has been going on for a very long time in politics, except instead of individuals, it's typically been corporations that have been buying presidents 
no one corporation has bought a president, but where do you think all the money goes? Or where, where do you think all the money comes from that supports these very expensive presidential campaigns or even congressional campaigns or senatorial campaigns or gubernatorial campaigns? These come from special interest groups, mainly corporate money, that goes into backing these candidates. Just because one individual decided to contribute $100 million, that's nothing new, except there was a change in the law that allowed an individual to actually do it and not hide behind it, but actually just say, I'm an individual, I'm contributing this much, and uh, you know, I don't have to hide it, because now it's legally allowed for a, an individual to donate unlimited money to a candidate. So Adelson said he preferred Romney and donated $100 million, but great! I don't care whether you supported Romney or Obama. It's Adelson's money. He made it. He should be able to spend it the way he wants. So I'm not someone who believes that Sheldon Adelson shouldn't be able to spend his money. I just want to get that out right now. And keep in mind, as I go on with this segment, understand before you get too pissed off at me, I'm not an Adelson supporter in this issue. I think he's doing the wrong thing. And I'll tell you everything about what he's doing in a second. But I don't think it's inherently wrong to spend a lot of money if you have a lot of money for either preferred candidates or to further an issue. Now, maybe we should have further campaign finance reform and further reform as to what people or corporations could donate that's another discussion for another time. But in the current system, in the current system, he should be able to do whatever the hell he wants as far as spending money on what's important to him. Now, before you think Adelson is too mean, is too evil, he's done some good things. He's donated hundreds of millions of dollars to the Birthright Project, which is a project that allows Jewish people, young Jewish people, to go to Israel for free. So, I know, in fact, one step ahead from our forum. He went to Israel for free on Sheldon Adelson's dime. Not directly Adelson's dime, but through the Birthright Project. Uh, you know, so basically, if you're a young Jew and you want to go back to the homeland of Israel and, uh, and visit, you can do it even if you don't have the money to take that expensive trip through the, birth, the, through the uh, Birthright Project. So, you can't say that Adelson is all around a bad guy. He's not a criminal. He's just someone who has very strong opinions and wants to put his money to back his opinions. Now, here is where the problem currently lies, is that his crosshairs now are aimed at online gambling and online poker. And that's where it becomes unfortunate for us. Sheldon Adelson has always been anti-online poker, very briefly, he kind of turned around and said, ah, okay, maybe I support it, but he, he switched right back. He is very, very passionate about the issue. So, I'm going to read from an article from the Washington Post about Adelson and what he's doing. And it, it is problematic for us as poker players. I'm not going to downplay that. It's definitely problematic, but... Uh, we have to focus on how to fight this and how to stop this rather than being mad at the man doing it for the reasons I already stated. Billionaire casino magnate 
Sheldon Adelson, whose record-breaking campaign spending in 2012 made him an icon of the new Super Donut era, is leveraging that newfound status in an escalating feud with industry rivals over the future of gambling. Adelson, best known for building upscale resorts in Nevada and more recently in Asia, of course the upscale resorts are uh, Palazzo and Venetian, wants to persuade Congress to ban internet betting. He says the practice is a danger to society and could tarnish the industry's traditional business model. Nearly all of his competitors, including Caesars and MGM, disagree. They say regulated internet gambling can be done safely and boost the industry. To make his point, Adelson is preparing a public campaign to portray online gambling as a danger to children, a danger to the poor, and others who could be exploited by easy access to internet betting. Three states have moved to legalize online gambling, with New Jersey scheduled to go live this month, actually tomorrow. At least a dozen others are expected to consider it next year. And of course it already exists in Nevada and uh, Delaware. The new push against internet gambling is Adelson's biggest foray into a legislative debate directly related to his business, and it sets up a test of the influence that a mega-donor can exert when lawmakers know he is willing to spend enormous sums to influence elections. So it's, it's saying here that lawmakers may be afraid to go against him because if he gets too pissed at them, then maybe he can spend money to defeat those people who try to go against him. Adelson has begun hiring lobbyists and public relations experts in Washington and and in state capitals nationwide to press his case in what is shaping up to be one of the most heavily lobbied debates of 2014. So get ready. (laughs) Fasten your seatbelt. This is coming. A a big debate about online gambling, 2014. Uh, In January, Adelson plans to roll out an advocacy group, the Coalition to Stop Internet Gambling, that aides say will include advocates for children and others who are considered vulnerable to the temptations and potential harms of online betting. By the way, the Coalition to Stop Internet Gambling needs a more creative name. First of all, it has a terrible acronym, CSIG, CSIG. I mean, it's not catchy, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Even the, the name itself without the acronym is not very catchy. The Coalition to Stop Internet Gambling. He could have done better for all the money he has. The Coalition ho- the coalition hopes to enlist organizations representing women, African Americans, and Hispanics, all seen as likely to be sympathetic to the cause, which I found is interesting. I, I guess I can understand the women part, who they can try to convince that their children are going to become gambling addicts, but I don't get the African Americans and Hispanics. Like, why would they be against online gambling? <laughs> Advisors to Adelson say he is intensely focused on the coming battle and talks about it every day with his staff. He has about two dozen experts working nearly full-time on the issue. He has like 24 people working full-time on beating online poker. And when I say beating, I don't mean winning at it. I mean stopping it. And here's a quote from Andy Abood, Adelson's top political advisor. In my 15 years of working with him, I don't think I've ever seen him this passionate about any issue. Rival firms view Adelson's initiative as a major threat and say they will mount a counteroffensive, arguing that his proposed ban would foster a dangerous, unregulated black market. Some competitors noted that Adelson, whose chosen political candidates lost last year, could not guarantee success, even with his ability to tap a seemingly bottomless bank account. Here's a quote from the PPA, from John Pappas. We don't make a habit of picking fights with billionaires... But in this case, I think we'll win because millions of Americans who want to play online will oppose this legislation, along with dozens and dozens of states that want freedom to authorize any kind of gambling they see fit. 
Still, Adelson's industry rivals say that they are struck by his new assertiveness. They point with trepidation to his campaign expenditures last year, which dwarfed those of the entire industry. So I'll stop here. So this is basically what's going on, is Adelson has kind of just flipped out. He's always been anti-online poker, but he's kind of just flipped out and just said, this is what's most important to me. Of everything in life, this is what's most important to me right now. I'm going to hire 24 people who are going to work full-time on this. I'm going to hire... I'm going to spend all kinds of money. I'm going to make coalitions with women and African Americans and Hispanics, or who are typically not aligned with Sheldon Adelson. <laughs> He's just going to find whoever he thinks is sympathetic to his viewpoint, even for different reasons, and make this coalition, put a lot of money into it, and try to stop the rise of online gambling in the United States. That's what he's doing. Again, is it evil? No. Some people think that he's doing this because he's greedy. Some people think he's doing this because he's afraid this will threaten his businesses. That if people start playing online, that the Venetian and the Palazzo and his other casinos will not make as much money. I can't tell you for sure. I'm not in Sheldon Adelson's head. I can't tell you for sure what's driving him here, but I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I don't think that's the motivating factor. He seems to want to spend unlimited money on this. And at some point, whatever he spends on this is sure to dwarf whatever he might save in lost revenue if somehow he stops online poker and online gambling. Even if you want to concede that online gambling will hurt the brick-and-mortar casino uh, industry, which used to be a popularly held view, but not anymore. That's why MGM and Caesars are now trying to get in the online game. They've realized you can have both. You can have a successful brick-and-mortar casino, and you can have a successful online casino, and they can complement each other. That's what they've learned. I was saying this years ago. A lot of us were saying this years ago. They finally learned. Adelson... He doesn't agree. But I don't think he believes it will be devastating to the point where it's worth spending this much money and putting this much effort into defeating. There's something about online gambling that just strikes Sheldon Adelson the wrong way. It's something about it that just pisses him off. He hates it. He has like an irrational hatred for it. I can't tell you exactly why, but it's not just about dollars and cents. He actually hates it. That's why he's so passionate. I mean, listen, the, his top political advisor says in 15 years of working with him, I don't think I've ever seen him this passionate about any issue. So why is he so passionate here? This is not that big to his business. I don't think Sheldon Adelson is that delusional to where he believes this is going to completely crush his businesses to where they won't be able to operate anymore. And even if it were to, that he couldn't get in on that side of the business too and make just as much money from there and make up for what he lost from the brick and mortars. Adelson knows that he would be in line to get a license, just like MGM and Caesars in these markets. He knows that if there is legalized gambling in the U.S., that his company would be one that would be a major player. So you would think whatever money he's going to lose from his brick and mortar properties, he would make back through his online sites that he will definitely get licensed for. So even if overall it turns into a loss for him, it wouldn't be a huge loss. He's got to know that. He's got to know that this is not the end of him and his businesses. He just has an irrational hatred for online gambling, and he always has. 
And Sheldon Adelson has gotten used to spending a lot of money to defeat what really bothers him, or spending a lot of money to further causes he supports. For example, he's very pro-Israel. So he backs candidates of both parties. You know, Adelson's traditionally known as a Republican, and he is, but he's backed Democrats. He backs whatever candidates support his views. So like a very strong pro-Israel candidate, even if it's a Democrat, he will back that person with a lot of money if the Republican is not so pro-Israel. So Adelson is just a guy who says, I have a lot of money, and I'm going to do something meaningful with it. You may not like what I do with it, you may not agree with me, but I'm going to take my opinions and now use my money to try to shape the world to the way I think it should be. And we could debate forever whether that's right or wrong to do, but that doesn't make him evil. And in fact, if you had as much money as Sheldon Adelson, just think about it for a second. If you had the money he did, if you were a billionaire like him, and you had strong political opinions about certain subjects, are you telling me that you wouldn't spend some money to try to influence the world if this stuff was that important to you and you knew you had money that could be very influential? Would you would you just sit around talking about it or posting on forums or writing articles about it? Or would you actually use your money to really make a difference? Now, if you were a billionaire, I doubt you would be attacking online poker. If I were a billionaire, I would not be attacking online poker. That's where I disagree with him. He should not be doing this. Just like I think Sheldon Adelson should have the right to spend his money on whatever causes he sees fit, he should not be telling us how to spend our money. He should not be telling us we can't gamble online, and he especially should not be doing that when he is running casinos himself. This is not some right-wing Christian guy that thinks all gambling is a sin and is trying to stop all gambling. This is kind of hypocritical what he's doing in that he is running a casino. He's running a business that is there to take your money. A business that's there to try to bring you in with the hopes of winning a lot of money, but then the odds are so stacked against you, the chance of you actually winning is very small, and he's going to beat you, and he's going to have your money in his pocket. So, a guy running casinos should not be getting on his high horse saying that online gambling is so evil. Pretty much any harm that can come to people through online gambling can happen at brick and mortar casinos it might be a bit more accessible online but the truth is a compulsive gambler will find a way to gamble a compulsive gambler will go broke whether he has legal gambling close to him or not so I think he's in a very poor position morally to say that we shouldn't have online gambling. Now, a lot of poker players are getting together saying, we have to boycott the Venetian. Fine. I have to tell you, when I heard about this, I wanted to boycott the Venetian. Because it's frustrating. I want to see legalized U.S. online poker. I'm tired of the lock pokers of the world being able to exist because of the U.S. legality situation. I want to see all those shady rooms crushed off the face of the earth. I want to see legitimate operations serving our poker games in the U.S. I want to see that so badly. And to see Adelson putting up a real fight, and this is going to be a very meaningful fight. This isn't just lip service. He's going to put a lot of money and a lot of effort into this. And it's going to be bad for me. It's going to be bad for you. It's going to be bad for the entire poker industry that he's doing this. 
So I'm very frustrated to see this. And for that reason, it makes me not want to support the Venetian or the Palazzo. And I totally understand if you feel that way too. But let me be clear. It's not going to matter. If all of us get together and don't set foot in the Venetian or the Palazzo or anything that Adelson owns, we all boycott it. When I say all of us, I don't mean the thousand or so listeners to this program. I mean everybody who is either a professional or semi-professional poker player. If all of us stay out of the Venetian, it will have a very small effect on their bottom line. And even if it does affect their bottom line, Adelson won't care and he'll keep doing it anyway. Let's think about the Romney situation. As you guys probably know, Republicans and Democrats are pretty much split as far as their numbers in the country. I think there's a there's more Democrats than Republicans, but not by a whole lot. So basically, it's about 50-50. And when you strongly support one candidate to the point where you give him $100 million to defeat the incumbent's other candidate, you're going to really piss off the other group. There's a lot of very passionate Obama supporters... And even people who aren't uh, passionate Obama supporters, but are passionate Democrats, or even just not necessarily passionate Democrats, but just people who still support the Democratic Party, still support President Obama, don't like Mitt Mitt Romney. (laughs) Hang on a second, people. My microphone just fell. I guess I'm too passionate. I knocked the microphone out. So, you have... A lot of people you're going to piss off when you say, I'm supporting the Republican candidate to knock incumbent Barack Obama out of office, and I'm going to spend $100 million to do so. That's going to get a lot of Democrats angry. I bet there's a lot of people that did not go to the Venetian after they found out about this. A lot more people that will get pissed about that than what he's doing to online poker. As much as you might hate to admit it, we are a pretty small community. Online poker, or even just poker in general. Poker's a popular game, but as far as, far as people who, that really care about the community, it's a small group of people. It is not a large group of people compared to the U.S. population of 300 plus million. And that's easy to forget. A lot of people play poker. A lot of people will go down to the local card room and you know, play one, two, no limit for fun, but they don't care about poker news. They don't care about the poker industry. They don't follow it. They have no idea. They they know the big names in poker. You know, they'll tell you who Phil Hellmuth is and who Doyle Brunson is, and they they know how to play poker and they enjoy playing every so often. But they don't follow the the community or the the news or the the online poker stuff. They they don't know about it. They don't care. They just play poker as a fun diversion. But when you take people who are passionate about poker, whether they're pro players or just uh, Amateurs who are really into poker There just aren't that many of us That's why I know this show will never become like huge I know I'm never going to have a million listeners to this show Because I'm, co- I'm covering a niche topic That is only going to appeal To a relatively small segment of the population And that's fine because it's something I find interesting And I know it's something a lot of you find interesting I wouldn't do the show if it had 10 listeners But I, we have enough listeners uh, Between live and, and archives I, I know that we... It's worth my time to doing the show Not worth it financially But worth it as far as where I know I'm not talking to almost nobody But we're still a small community 
And even if he pisses off all of us, we're hardly going to impact his business at all. And he didn't care about pissing off a large group of people. He didn't care about pissing off all Democrats. (laughs) I mean, you look at who is a potential customer to the Venetian, probably half of them are Democrats, right? He didn't mind. He's going to piss them all off with, with supporting Romney like this with $100 million. So he doesn't care what you think. Boycotting the Venetian will do one thing, and that will keep your money out of his pocket. That's all it'll do. If you are principled to the point where you don't want to give a penny to a company that pisses you off or to a guy who pisses you off, then great. And I can relate to that because any company that cheats me, I don't want to support, even if it's a little inconvenient for me. I'll give an example. Southwest Airlines, I will never fly them because they cheated me out of $100 about four four years ago. Five years ago, whatever. They outright cheated me out of $100 and for that I don't want to support them. So, not to say the other airlines are all saints, but uh, they haven't cheated me. I'll fly the other airlines, I just won't fly Southwest because they cheated me. So I can totally understand if you're mad at a person or a company that you don't want to give them the money that you put so much effort to earn. But at the same time, it's not going to matter. And I see all these attempts by the PPA to get people to post on the Venetian Facebook page and, and, and to let the Venetian know how you feel. Don't bother with that crap. All you're going to do is harass employees that may feel the way you do, but can't do anything about it. The one who can do something about it is Sheldon Adelson, and you will never, never, never convince him to change gears on this one. He's all ready for the fight. This will not change. Nothing you can do will change it. There's only one force that can stop him. Remember in Superman 2, when Zod, and I don't mean Brandon, but when Zod and his uh, two cohorts came and terrorized Earth, and Superman was nowhere to be found because he uh, removed his powers temporarily? You remember watching that movie and thinking, wow, I hope Superman gets his powers back and comes back and fights them, because he's the only one who can beat them. Nothing on Earth can beat Zod and, and uh, his two buddies there. If Superman doesn't come back, the, the Earth is screwed. They'll, they'll be slaves to Zod. Well, that's pretty much what's happening here with Adelson. We are like the Earth without Superman, and the Superman we're waiting for is the rest of the casino industry who does have the money to fight him, who does have the money to answer his ad campaigns against online gambling. They have committed a lot of money and a lot of effort to the online gambling projects, and they're not going to let Adelson ruin it. So they're going to step up to bat for us, whether we do a damn thing or not. Is it helpful to give gentle encouragement to MGM and Caesars and whoever else to fight Adelson on this and to put a lot of resources into doing so? Yes. I think it would be useful to let them know that we're hoping that they step up to the plate and support online gambling. That any company that does that is more likely to get our business. I think these would be useful things to communicate to them in some way. But they're the ones who have to do it. Other than that, we're pretty powerless. Human beings hate being powerless They always like to feel that they have some influence on the situation, even if they don't. I remember 
back in the 80s when cholesterol was a big thing. When every food that was seen as something that's going to raise your cholesterol a lot, for example, eggs, was avoided big time. All of a sudden, people were taking skin off the chicken they were eating. They were foregoing eggs from their breakfast that they used to have every morning. Everybody became obsessed with their cholesterol level in the 80s, thinking that if you eat high cholesterol foods, your cholesterol goes up and you get a heart attack and you die early and nobody wants that. Well, it was discovered years later that cholesterol is mostly a result of your genetics. I think it's like 80-20, I don't know the exact numbers, but um, it's mostly a result, not completely, but mostly a result of your genetics. So someone who has the genetics to not have high cholesterol can eat a terrible diet and his cholesterol level will not be bad. And someone with genetics to have very high cholesterol can have a very, very low cholesterol diet and their cholesterol will be high. And people hated that. People hated hearing that. Because it made them feel powerless. Because for years they felt, okay, it's been understood that cholesterol causes heart attacks. It's been understood it's in our food. It's been understood that if we stay away from certain foods, our cholesterol will go down and we have control over the situation. And then they learn, no, we don't. It's something already in our bodies. It's something that uh, our body's going to do or not do, depending upon our genetics. Now, they do have pills to lower cholesterol now, and I'm not going to get into a whole medical or pharmaceutical discussion. But I remember how much certain people hated hearing that news because they wanted control. They'd actually get mad discussing this. I'd have arguments with people telling me that... uh, they're eating healthy and there's no way their cholesterol could be high. They don't have to test it. I go, of course you do. It's mostly genetic. They go, no, 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 my cholesterol can't be high. I'm very careful. No, it doesn't matter. They go, oh, look how you eat. Your cholesterol must be super high. I go, no, nope, mine's 150. <laughs> you know, they people would get mad about this because they wanted control. And I feel that the PPA and, and the poker community in general wants control over what Adelson's doing. They want to find a way to stop him. They want to be able to step up to the plate and beat him. Kind of like the way we stepped up to the plate and beat UB. Kind of. Proving that they cheated. Forcing some refunds. Getting a lot of people to stop playing there. That we had some power. But not against Adelson. Not against a well-funded campaign against online poker. You can write to politicians all you want. It's not going to mean anything. Politicians don't give a crap what you write to them. They're going to care only if Adelson is going to turn his crosshairs on them. And then they have to make a decision. Am I willing to go up against him and his money or am I not? And hearing from a few poker players is not going to matter to them. Politicians are very selfish. Politicians are always thinking about what they can do to win the next election. And that is the primary thing they care about. So, really all we can do is encourage the corporations who don't support Adelson's position to counter him. The good news is it's going to happen anyway. And let me tell you what the American Gaming Association has responded with since uh, this came out, since the story came out. The American Gaming Association, of which 
Adelson Sands is actually a member. His Sands Corporation is actually a member of the American Gaming Association, but uh, you know he doesn't represent the whole organization. So even though he doesn't agree with the statements being made, the majority of members do, and that's why they were able to make this statement. This is a statement saying, Adelson, we don't agree with you. Time and again, government efforts to prohibit use of everyday products have failed. In 2012, Americans spent nearly $3 billion gambling with rogue offshore operators. This is poker and sports betting at casino they're combining. The internet cannot be forced back into the bottle, nor can market demand. I should like that line. The internet cannot be forced back into the bottle. We support pragmatism and strong regulation of online gaming that protects consumers, prevents underage play, ensures the integrity of the games, and empowers law enforcement. New government efforts to prohibit online gaming will unintentionally strengthen black market providers, create more risk for American consumers, including children, and drive U.S. jobs and potential revenues overseas. We appreciate divergent viewpoints and welcome a healthy discussion on this complex issue. So even though they're welcoming discussion, you can see how they feel about it. They're saying, we can't pretend online gambling doesn't exist. We can't say it's illegal so no one will do it. $3 billion was wagered in 2012 on illegal sites. If we don't get control of this and regulate it ourselves, we're both putting Americans at risk and also losing money because we could be making money off this instead of these shady operators. Exactly. I've been saying that for years. Most of us have been saying this for years. Let's legalize and regulate it because it'll keep happening anyway. And this is even different than the argument of whether or not to legalize drugs. As far as legalizing drugs, that's actually a big policy change. That's actually something where you're allowing people to do something that you never have allowed before. It's been going on anyway, but to allow that is a huge change in our society. But allowing gambling is not a huge change in our society. We've had casinos forever. It's just a matter of where you can gamble. It doesn't make sense that it's legal to gamble in a casino down the street, but it's not legal to gamble on your computer. It doesn't make any sense. So we're not introducing any kind of new vice to the population that could bring us all down. This is just a different venue for it. That's why it's so stupid to prevent. That's why this should be definitely legalized, definitely regulated. And what we've seen on UB, what we've seen at Full Tilt, what we see at smaller operators like Lock Poker, all the shadiness, all the stealing, all the scamming, everything else, it's because it's not regulated. It's because you cannot trust companies to regulate themselves. They will always act in their best interests. And sometimes they'll act not in their best interests, but what they think they are. And sometimes their short-term best interests are to steal from you. And they don't realize their long-term best interest, and they don't realize they'll get caught. But they do it anyway. You have to have regulation on something like gambling. Otherwise, what we saw at UB, what we saw at Full Tilt, is what happens. I don't have to convince you guys of this. You guys all agree with me on that. So good for the American Gaming Association for making this statement. And I think they're going to step up to the plate and fight Adelson. So, going back to the Superman 2 comparison, I think in 2014, it's going to be like that 
fight in uh, Times Square, wherever that was, where Superman and Zod and his buddies, they were fighting each other and throwing each other into buildings and signs and everybody's standing below watching. And you watch these two superpowers fighting against one another. I think that's what we're going to be watching. We will be the ones standing on the street. We will be watching Adelson and the American Gaming Association members, other than him, fighting this out with a lot of money back and forth. And we'll see who wins. It is bad news because Adelson really can throw enough of a wrench into the process because by no means has legalized online gambling been embraced by the public yet. This isn't a slam dunk. This isn't something obvious. This has taken a long time to happen. It's just starting to get going. And it's about to get crushed. I can't say it's going to be stopped by Adelson, but he's going to be a formidable opponent. I hope he loses. But you have to understand, he's doing what he feels is right. I don't feel it's right. You don't feel it's right, but he's doing what he feels is right. So instead of posting evil Adelson, evil Republicans, evil this, don't, it's, it's not about that. The guy believes he's doing the right thing. The guy thinks he's using his money to do the right thing. It's the wrong thing, but he thinks it's the right thing. So we just need to encourage his opponents to win. That's all. Take a look at the chat room here. I haven't read this much during the whole rant I was just doing. Someone in the chat saying, no, he's not. He's just doing what he thinks will protect his business. See, I don't agree with that. He's going to spend so much money on this, there's no way the expenditures on this issue would ever justify what he could possibly lose, or what he thinks he could possibly lose, from online gambling becoming a thing. Because remember, he knows he could get a license. It's not like he knows he won't get licensed and he knows he'll be left behind. He is one of a few who could get a license to operate an online gambling room if he wanted to. It's not like he'll be one of 500 providers. You know, there, there will only be a few companies that are eligible to get licenses in the U.S. He's in a perfect spot in this fledgling industry. I'd be thrilled to be in his position. So I don't think this is about money. I think he just has an irrational hatred of online gambling. You have to remember, too, he's 80 years old. I'm sure you have encountered a lot of old people in your life, maybe your grandparents, who just have irrational views on certain topics and you can't change their mind. You can argue logic with them. You can explain to them why their viewpoint doesn't make any sense. You can explain why their obsession doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. Old people can be very set in their ways. This guy's 80 years old. He has billions of dollars. He just doesn't like it. I think he believes it will be bad for the industry overall. I think he does believe it will hurt the gaming industry, but he's not just doing it out of selfishness for his own business. He just doesn't like the whole concept of it. I think it's a combination in his mind. He thinks it's going to hurt the brick-and-mortar casino industry, and he thinks it's immoral, too. doesn't make sense why it's immoral and why gambling in his casinos is not immoral, but that's the way he thinks. 
He's going to spend so much money on this There's no way he could think it's justified From a business standpoint Just like when he spends Hundreds of millions of dollars To send kids to Israel He doesn't do this from a business standpoint He does it because he loves Israel And he wants Jewish kids to go there And and see their, Their land basically The land from their culture From their religion So I don't believe everything Adelson does is for money I think it's the opposite I think he uses money To get what he wants Not necessarily to make more money He's a little bit different Than your typical uh, CEO of a corporation Who's only acting in the corporate interests Adelson has very personal interests In a lot of different areas And I think this is one of his Big personal interests And this is why his advisor is saying he's never seen the guy so passionate. I think a lot of people want to believe this is about his business because it's easy to make him into a villain that way. It's easy to say, wow, look at this greedy asshole who so badly wants to keep people coming through his doors that he wants to restrict the freedoms of the American public. It makes him sound like the biggest jerk ever. But I don't believe that's what's happening. He's just using his money for something he hates Or just to fight something he hates And He's in the wrong I hope he loses I really hope he loses But I don't think it's for the reason A lot of you believe it is And we'll never know Because Adelson Is the only one who knows He's in his own mind We don't know I'm just guessing here I'm not saying I'm sure of this Okay, so moving on I think we've talked enough about Adelson But maybe next week uh, We'll have an update on this But I think I think the updates will more come later Like in 2014 when this battle heats up Well there's a, a New Jersey state senator Attempting to Do something with the Legalized New Jersey online gambling market And again, tomorrow is when these online gambling rooms will all open up for what they call a soft launch. This New Jersey state senator, whose name is Lesniak, he is attempting to introduce a bill to add foreign players to those legalized rooms. Now, what do I mean by foreign players? Well, as you know, in Nevada and New Jersey, you can only play when you're physically in that state against others physically in that state. So you have to be standing physically in New Jersey to play on one of the New Jersey online casinos or online poker rooms. And everybody sitting at the table with you will also be physically in New Jersey. And same goes for Nevada. Now they're hoping to cooperate and link together one day, but that's down the line. So this guy, Lesniak, his idea is to... Make it so it's not just people in New Jersey But knowing that he can't open it up to other states Due to federal law He says, well, forget forget the other states Let's tap the foreign market Because if we have foreigners on our site They can still play and we're not violating U.S. law Because we're, ser- we're serving uh, foreign customers We're not serving U.S. customers outside of New Jersey 
So this is what he wants. He wants that anywhere that it is legal to gamble online, that you can access the New Jersey online casinos. Now, it would have to be approved on a case-by-case basis, but once those countries opt in, then they would be able to play. They would be able to sit at a poker table with you. They would be able to play in the online casinos. So you could be sitting there at the poker table in New Jersey playing online poker. When I say the poker table, I mean the online poker table. And you could be with four different guys from different countries all over the world. Now, as far as U.S. players you'll be up against, it'll only be New Jersey people. So the poker room will be New Jersey players and players from many different parts of the world if Lesniak gets his way. Now, he wants this for a few reasons. Of course, to increase revenue so they have uh, more people gambling and they make more money. And also, to make the player pool for the poker side a lot larger. It's very important to have a large player pool for poker, a lot more than the other games, because the other games are solo. It doesn't matter when you're playing blackjack if it's just you at the table. You can still play, just you and the dealer, and if the dealer's automated, then it's just you, and that's it. You don't need to wait for other players to play blackjack. Same with pretty much all the casino games. Poker's different. Poker, you need a lot of other people. So it's hard to get a poker room going. It's hard to make a poker room successful because you need a whole lot of people online because there's so many different games to play. So many different limits, so many different types of games. Some people are there for high limits, some for low, some for micro, some for medium, some for tournaments, some for sit and goes, some for mixed games. You you have, you know, some for limits, some for no limit. It's just there is such a wide variety of games and limits you can play in poker that you need a very large pool of people to where you always have people online to play a game of your choice. You need thousands of players online simultaneously. Not just signed up for the site, but online simultaneously. Ultimate Poker and WSOP.com have struggled with that so far. They have not been wildly successful at all. I mean, yeah, there's people on there playing, but there's a lot of limits and games that don't ever run, or rarely run, on those sites. And right now there's only two of them. So, what this Lesniak guy is hoping for is that with a big influx of people from foreign countries that not only will these guys lose money in the casino part of it, but also the poker room will become bustling because there's a lot more people to fill up the room. And when I say the room, it's obviously more than one site. There are currently seven licensed sites, seven licensed companies that are going to be running uh, the online gambling in New Jersey. So, That's what he's proposing. What's interesting is the New Jersey Gaming Enforcement says they haven't even heard of this yet. They they said the first they heard of this was from the news article, which is funny. You think he would you think he would have run this by New Jersey Gaming before coming out and saying this? (laughs) But that's typical politician just in his own little world and proposing something he wants and not bothering to even consult with the authorities on the matter. So this is far from happening. And uh, yeah, I'm going to read from the article about this. If you give me a second. So this is an article from Poker New- 
Poker, Poker Fuse, which I often read from on this show. It's a good site for poker news. Um, actually, I guess this isn't the... I, I saw an article when I was reading about this where it talked about how the New Jersey uh, gaming enforcement had not even heard of this before, but I, I guess it's not in the Poker Fuse article, so I apologize. That's what I was looking to read. But basically, that's what they said. We, we don't know about this. <laughs> so, uh, Other things that would be interesting is that, uh, in relation to this, uh, his plans would create a restricted foreign internet wagering permit. So these permits would have to be applied for. And the companies offering the foreign internet wagering. This would be a separate permit, so you wouldn't just be able to... If you're running one of these online poker rooms in New Jersey or online gambling casinos, you wouldn't just be able to take foreign players as long as you're licensed. You have to get a separate license for the foreign internet wagering, and the licenses would be priced around $200,000 to initially get one and $100,000 to renew it. And how would they tax foreign players? Because of course there's the problem where foreign players win money if it's US players winning money you can tax them you know the the IRS will find out about it but what about foreign players the IRS can't tax them so what they would do is just levy a 10% flat tax on anything won by foreign players so once they cash out 10% would be kept and uh, sent presumably to the state of New Jersey I don't know if the federal government would get any but I think it would just go to New Jersey so, anyway, New Jersey Online Gambling will begin on November 21st, is where the soft launch would be, the full introduction of the online gambling will be on the 26th. Both will occur before we do this show again. Speaking of which, Caesars has obtained a license to offer games in New Jersey. WSOP.com will be running in New Jersey. It will be a separate player pool from the WSOP.com that is running in Nevada. You'll go to the same site. It just won't be the same players. It'll be separated. This will be running under the Bally's license. So they have not yet licensed the two other Caesars properties in Atlantic City yet, but Bally's does have a license, and... uh, they will be going live in New Jersey tomorrow at WSOP.com. I think it's, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure about that. I I know Caesars got licensed, but I, I'm saying it's WSOP.com. It could be a separate room, but so I, I can't say that for sure. I thought it was WSOP.com, but now, now that I'm thinking, I'm like, wait, maybe it's not. Maybe it's like Bally'sSomething.com. I don't know. So, don't quote me on that one. But they did get a license, and they will be running tomorrow. I found this out, like, just moments before the show started, so that's why I couldn't research it too much. But I thought I would mention it. Payouts for Full Tilt supposedly are going to be beginning March 31st, 2014, which is a lot sooner than I thought. You know about all the problems that Garden City Group, the company that was tasked to 
manage the full tilt remissions process for U.S. players that had money stuck on there since Black Friday. They've had all kinds of problems, and I won't bother to go over those again, but I thought with all the problems they had, there's no way that an incompetent company like this that seems to be moving so slowly with everything could possibly begin sending out refunds for at least another year. Well, they claim I'm wrong. They claim that the payouts will supposedly start on March 31st, 2014. That's really soon, given the number of requests they've received and the amount of information they have to go through. In fact, to me, it seems a lot harder to process these requests and these petitions than it is just to take the petitions, and even to do that took them forever. Even to set up to take the petitions took forever. So how can they process all these petitions that just ended, that, you know, the The date to submit them has already passed. I think you can still submit them, but I think there's no promise that they'll be processed. But how can they do all that between mid-November and March? That's not very long. They've basically got four and a half months to get all this done. Now, they say the payouts are beginning. It doesn't mean they're going to all be done on March 31st. But fine. I mean, even to start sending them, I'm just surprised they'll be ready. I have a feeling that on March 31st, they will not be ready. Maybe they'll surprise me, but I think they won't be ready. What's interesting about this date is the following. One of the biggest problems with the petitioning process that they set up was that they, one, did not have all the information, and two, didn't really have a good process to handle it if your information was not on file. So if you go on and Full Tilt had a lot of money of yours and it says you had zero, then there's a procedure to try to prove that you had money on there. But I can tell you that there really isn't any way to prove it. Now some people are able to request uh, financial records through them or hand histories or things like that to where they can they can get proof of this to submit. But other people they're just this just doesn't exist. Other people, they just have nothing. So, these people have to submit proof in the form of bank statements and other stuff showing that they put money on the site. But what does that really show? Let's say you deposited 5000 to the site. That doesn't mean that on April 15, 2011, you still had 5000 It could mean that you have 20000 or 50000 if you did really well. It could mean you have zero if you lost. The thing is, if they don't have the information as to what happened to your money once it was on full tilt, I don't know how they can claim that they know what your balance is. I don't know how they can validate what you say your balance is, whether you're telling the truth or not. This is making me really wonder as to how much they're going to really scrutinize this. This makes me wonder if they're just going to stupidly pay out whatever people ask for. <laughs> now, if they have the records that you're, you know, they have your correct records on file, there's nothing to really question. Then, then they'll just pay you whatever your balance was. But if they have you down as zero, and say, okay, prove what you think you had, and they don't go through it very carefully, they may just rubber stamp it, or as long as it looks reasonable, and say, sure. Like you can't go request uh, outrageous money. If it says zero, you can't say, well, you don't see it, but in reality, my balance was. One million dollars. Like, yeah, they're not going to give you a million dollars, but at the same time, maybe any money up to a certain point, they'll just rubber stamp and say, "Okay, sure." 
And we think, no, no, there's no way they could be that dumb. Of course they can. It's Garden City Group. If it's something we've seen is that this entire process has been a clusterfuck, they have not been ready for it, they are not prepared for it, they have no clue what they're doing, and no mistake on their part would surprise me. And keep in mind, this isn't their money. So whatever money they return to the players, it's not like if they return too much, then they are costing themselves money. They're not. They're taking money that has been earmarked by the government, money that belongs to the government, and distributing it. They've been handed money by the government, essentially, to give to us. But then they don't get to keep any of it that doesn't get given to us. So they have no incentive to save money for the government. Now, at the same time, they set up a lot of overly restrictive rules as to whether or not you qualify to get the money. And we've talked about that before on this show. So it kind of seems like they're erring on the side of not paying people rather than paying too much, which is unfortunate. What I'm also afraid is on the flip side of this, that if it showed zero for you, and you submit your proof of why it's not zero, if it's proof that can't be verified, even if you're 100% right, they just won't pay you. So let's say, for example, you deposited 7000 you lost 4600 of it, you have 2400 left. And you tell them that. You say, I had 2400 left, here's the 7000 I deposited, I had 2400 left, pay me. They may say, hey, we can't see proof that you didn't lose the whole 7000 so you get nothing. They could easily do that. They, they, they're kind of operating without any kind of procedure guiding them. They're just making up their rules as they go along. So I could see them overcompensating, I could see them undercompensating, so it'll be really interesting to see who gets paid and what. That's what's going on there. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, are the phone numbers. Someone saying in the chat, it's a government screw job, Druff. Nothing new. Sort of. I believe the government very much would like to keep as much money as they can here. But I also think Garden City Group is incompetent. I think this is mostly a result of incompetence rather than any kind of conspiracy or any kind of attempt to steal our money by the government. I think it's more of a idiocy and bureaucracy on the government level. Hiring a contractor that has no clue. Where have we seen that recently? Oh yeah, the Obamacare site. The $653 million Obamacare site that does not work. That could have easily been built for $10 million or less and actually work, according to experts. Same thing. They awarded a contract to a company that was not up to the task, spent way too much money on it, and got a very poor result. Same thing with Garden City Group. Never underestimate the government's ability to screw things up, waste money, and do things stupidly. So, let's move on to the next topic here. Seriously Serious' girlfriend, Sarah Albright, who appeared on this show at one point, was trying to become a poker news presenter. I won't play her video again. I've played it enough times on the show. But uh, the poker news presenter, the junior presenter position, 
is a, basically you go to the World Series or whatever other poker tournaments they're covering, and you interview people. And it's really it's a they're hiring females, so they're looking for females who want to interview poker players. And they post these videos on YouTube. That, that's basically what the presenter does. They're looking for a new presenter. And Poker News decided that they would come up with a fun new process to determine the next one. Rather than just picking a presenter themselves, they would have a vote. Where hopefuls for the position would submit their videos. And then the public would judge. The public would say, this is who I like the best. And Poker News, in their uh, idealistic view of the situation, thought that this was a great idea because... If the public picks who they like best, then that's what's most important, because who's watching? The public. So shouldn't you want the presenter that the public likes the most? Makes sense. Instead of them trying to judge who the public will like, they actually see who the public will like, and that per- that person's whoever gets the most votes. Makes sense to me. Except they didn't think of all the problems with that method. Problem number one is that this is a pre-produced video. You're not putting the girls to a test. You're not having them do a test interview under Poker News supervision and then posting the results of what each interview is like. Like, what would be a good test for who would be the best presenter would be to get all ten candidates in a room, have each of them separately do you know an interview with the same person, have each of them not be able to see what the other one does, like bring each one into a a separate room, do an interview with the same person, and see which one does it the best. That would be a perfect way to tell which one of them is best, at least in that one instance. I know someone could be having having a bad day, someone could be having a good day. You know know how you're not always the same. It's even... I, I know this from this show. Sometimes I'm just better at this show than others, depending on what day it is and... uh a lot of different factors. But but in general, that would be a good way to tell the difference between presenter candidates. But what's not good is where you have a video done on their own, where they can edit it a lot of times, where they can keep trying till it looks perfect, where they can get outside help for the video, and to where they have a lot of time as far as thinking of creative things to put into the video. And that's really where they stumbled the most. In that the Poker News presenter job is not really about creativity, it's more about uh, being a likable interviewer. And yet, in a video where you're being judged by the public and voted on, you want to stand out, you want to do something creative. You you just stand there and talk and and are boring. Even if you're pretty, and even if you speak well, they're probably not going to vote for you. So, it's almost like going to a class and then the professor gives you a test but you can take it home and bring it back the next day. I know this actually happens sometimes, but I think it's really stupid. The problem with take-home tests is you can cheat. You You can use other people to take the test for you. You can have your dad or your brother or your friend who's better at the subject than you take the test. You can have, you can look up on the internet the answers of the questions. The problem with tests where there's no supervision is you can cheat. And same with making videos. You can't be making interview videos or, or videos to promote yourself as an interviewer 
uh, <laughs> where you have unlimited time and resources to make them. Doesn't really answer anything. So, with that said, those were the rules. So Sarah Albright, who's Seriously Serious's girlfriend, came up with the best video. And I don't blame her. She had a really funny video, uh, a song where uh, uh, she was singing about being a poker news girl. It was definitely the best video, the most memorable video. The other ones were boring. I couldn't even get through the other ones. Hers was great. I watched it several times. So not surprisingly, a lot of people voted for Sarah. A lot of people... Love Sarah. Everybody talked about Sarah on 2 Plus 2. On this site, I even encouraged voting for her on this radio show. And some people voted for her just because they like Seriously Serious and wanted to see his girlfriend win. So it was assumed that Sarah is going to crush everyone. Because you have Sarah and a bunch of very mediocre... I shouldn't say mediocre, but very ordinary candidates. No, no one who did anything to stand out. Some better than others. Some of the girls were attractive. Some of them seemed like they had broadcasting talent. But... None of them stood out. None of them had memorable videos. So it looked like Sarah is going to just win this going away. Well, people got suspicious when on October 30th, which I think was the final date to vote, Poker News extended the voting for 15 days. At the last second, they changed their own rules and said, first they said, we're ending the voting today, which had been the plan all along. Then suddenly, okay, we've extended voting for 15 days. Never gave a reason why. So all the conspiracy theorists said, hmm, I have a feeling that this is being done because Sarah won, and they really don't want to hire Sarah. They're really hoping someone else wins, so they're hoping if 15 more days pass, maybe the results will change. Especially because a girl who uh, submitted a video on the second to last day, October 29th, uh, looked pretty good. Looked pretty talented, so they're maybe hoping she's going to win. Those were the conspiracy theories. Poker News really never explained why they extended the voting another 15 days, especially when the voting had been going so long already. Well, it was announced this week as to the results of the Poker News contest. Let me get the results right here. So, the results were Gabriella Hill in first place, Erica Scott in second place, Marguerite Spaniolo third place, Jennifer Robles, the one who got uh, added at the last minute, in fourth place, and in fifth place, Sarah Albright? Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, that makes no sense. What makes even less sense is the following. Here were the voting totals. Or not the vote. Here are the view totals for the various videos that were posted. Gabriella Hill, who won the contest with the most votes, had 400 views to her video. Not 400 votes, 400 views on her video. Erica Scott had 468. She finished second. Marguerite Spaniolo finished third. She had 2,300, but but hers her video was actually posted three years ago. I guess she reused some other video she did. Uh, Jennifer Robles, the one they brought out on uh, October 29th, she had 1,300. Sarah Albright had 7,300 views her video. 7,300! Sixth place, Samantha Rhea, 621. Fiona Fox in seventh had 301. 
Eighth, Eddie Martinez, 168. Ninth, Isabella Eisenhofer, 301. Tenth place, Lorianne Persinger, 224. So, everybody who is in this contest, well, let's just focus on the ones who beat Sarah. That's what's important here. 400 views for the winner. 468 views of the video of the, of the winner of the video for the winner for the second place. Uh, 2300 for the third place, but she had her video for three years, so it obviously had a lot of views before that. Uh, Jennifer Robles, 1300, and Sarah Albright, 7300. Now, how is it possible that a person with 400 views on their video got more votes than a person with 7300 views on their video? Now, yes, not everybody who views Sarah's video is going to vote for her, but still, 7300. <laughs> versus 400 There's no way the one with 400 gets more votes Especially when her video was nothing special This Gabrielle Hill So Matthew Parvis Who works for Poker News He's best known for the as the guy who did the interview With Howard Lederer Where Howard Lederer kept saying I don't know Matthew Parvis actually came out on the site And wrote the following because a lot of people on this site were questioning it Matthew Parvis said the following Since I have a lot of respect for this forum And all the folks who took lots of time to put together videos I'll comment We didn't rig anything As there would be absolutely no point to do so The vo- voting mechanism Of the presenter audition Was simply to add a fun, engaging component For our readers to be involved in the process We will now be reaching out to those Who we are interested in learning more about To see if they might be good fits to join our team I apologize on behalf of Poker News if there was any confusion when the submissions closed, but the intention was always to leave the voting open past the submission process. What sense would it be to close the voting on the same day as closing the submissions? That system would clearly favor those who submitted well in advance, so any miscommunication regarding that factor was just that miscommunication. So he's trying to say that the deadline to submit a a video to be considered was October 30th. That wasn't the deadline of voting, and there's just some confusion about that. Which, Poker News did tweet that voting was ending October 30th, but, okay, I'll I'll give him credit that maybe they made a mistake there, and they really meant for another few weeks after the submission deadline for voting. I get that. We loved all the videos that came in. The creativity was really amazing. I look forward to speaking with candidates in person in the coming weeks. Below is a screenshot from our back end showing exactly how many votes the top ten received. So this is interesting, because Matthew gave us a list of votes attached to each candidate, which was not made public prior to this. He posted this specifically on Poker Fraud Alert. So Gabriella Hill, remember her, she won 400 views to her video. Now, out of 400 views on her video, you'd think not every single person who viewed her video would have voted for her. You'd think she'd get some percentage. Maybe if she did really well, half the people, half the people out of 400 would have voted for her, getting her 200 votes, right? Well, Gabriella with 400 views. How many votes did she get out of the 400 views? Oh, just 922. <laughs> what? 922 votes, 400 views. So that means even if every single person who viewed Gabriella's video voted for her, an additional 522 people voted for her despite not ever viewing her video. Now, how could that be? It was suggested when people were arguing back and forth with Matthew Parvis that people were recruiting their friends to vote for them. 
people were just sending out emails and social media requests saying, hey, vote for me on this, and whoever has a lot of friends probably got a lot of votes. That those people didn't necessarily have to watch their videos. That would explain why she got so many more votes than views of her video. But I don't buy that. Let's say you're on Facebook, and one of your Facebook friends says, hey, I'm trying to become a presenter from Poker News or for whatever. Go here and vote for me. So if you bother to click on the link to vote for them, and it takes you to the page where you vote for them, and you see their video right there, do you not at least have the, the curiosity to then click on the video and see it for a few seconds? You're telling me you would just vote and not watch the video at all? You've had enough curiosity about the situation to click on the link that they have provided so you can get to their voting page. But when you see a video that they are in, you don't bother to watch even a few seconds of it. You just click vote and close it. Now, it's not unheard of that that could happen. But I don't believe that the majority of people who voted for Gabrielle Hill were so uninterested in her video they didn't even watch a second of it, but yet were interested enough in her to vote for her. I don't believe it. And then, of course, you have the people who watched her video that decided not to vote for her. It just doesn't make any sense. And just in case you think that maybe Gabriella Hill was just uh, an expert at social media campaigning, well, Erica Scott, second place, got 806 votes. And she only got 468 views. The same thing. Well, Sarah Albright in fifth place got 518 votes out of her 7,300 views. Now, believe it or not, I actually think that might be right. Because watching the video and voting for her are two different things. Uh, People posted the YouTube video on this site and on 2 Plus 2, so people just watched it and didn't bother to go to the voting page. Uh, Maybe people searched for her directly through Google or, or got to her video through Twitter. It's very possible people watched her video, got a laugh, but didn't bother to go through the trouble of voting. So 518 out of 7,300 is believable. I'm not saying it's right, but it's believable. But what I I don't believe are the people who beat her with 400 views are getting 922 votes. So what happened here? It sounds like I am suggesting that Poker News rigged this. That Poker News just added votes for people like Gabriella Hill and Erica Scott. And then the other question is, if they're claiming that the voting results are not indicative of hiring the person, why would they even rig it in the first place? Why not let Sarah actually win and post the real totals and then just say, well, sorry, we're only using this as a guide as to who we're going to hire and we don't want to hire Sarah. Why not just do it that way instead of pretending like she lost? So a lot of people were really mad and were insulting Matthew Parvis and insulting Poker News. I'm going to tell you my take on this. I don't think Poker News rigged anything. Now, how is that possible? How can I think they didn't rig anything when I just explained the voting irregularity with people like Gabriella Hill? I think there is cheating in the voting, but not by Poker News. I found that if you went to the voting page, you didn't need any kind of account. All you had to do is click vote. That's it. Now, if you try to refresh the page, you can't vote again. But, if you clear the cookies in your browser and refresh the page, you can. So, you could vote for yourself over and over and over and over again by doing this. Go to your own page. Click vote for yourself. 
clear the cookies out of your browser, refresh the page, click vote again. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You could get out like 100 votes for yourself in uh, way less than an hour. So I think Gabriella Hill and Erica Scott figured this out. I think they made a lot of votes for themselves or their friends did it on their behalf. I think that's what happened. I think there was... I think there were a lot of duplicate votes. I think Poker News, because this wasn't a major contest, because this wasn't, there wasn't like a lot of money at stake or anything, this was just a fun thing they were doing, they didn't bother to go back and check for duplicate IPs for the voting. They probably didn't even log IPs. They probably just put in this weak security of a, it puts a cookie on your browser that says you voted, and if the cookie's gone, it lets you vote again. It probably doesn't even record the IPs of voters. So they probably can't even go back and check. I don't know that for sure, but it's very possible that's the situation. So it's very possible people cheated and voted themselves into first place above Sarah. I think Poker News made it so the voting didn't actually uh, guarantee a position with them. I think because they thought better of it as it was going on. As they were watching the videos they received, they probably liked some of them and probably some others. Maybe not even Sarah's. They just said, ugh, hope she doesn't win. I don't like her at all. So, realizing that people can recruit friends to vote through social media, blah, 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 I I have a feeling that they were careful not to commit themselves to hire someone that may be a lousy presenter. And I understand that. They shouldn't be forced to hire anyone. It just You shouldn't have a contest like this unless you want to commit to it. It was a dumb contest. You should not have a vote for hire someone for this position and then the winner doesn't get hired. Otherwise the, vo- the vote is pointless and people get pissed off. And Poker News realized their mistake, in fact, and uh, Matthew Parvis said in that thread that they learned not to have any more votes like this. <laughs> so that, that actually is a smart conclusion on their part, because it's dumb. If you're going to hold a contest like this, you really should keep to what you said you were going to do in the first place. So I think Poker News is innocent, but I also think they were stupid. I think they had a contest that was too easy to cheat, even for someone that isn't particularly technical. It didn't require a master hacker to figure this out. I mean, everybody knows about clear cookies. Not everybody, but you don't need to be a computer genius to know you clear your cookies and the site doesn't remember you had been there. So, I bet that's what happened. So, don't hate poker news for this. But they also screwed it up. And I think legitimately, Sarah got the most votes. But we'll never know. Well, what if you could learn to become a great no-limit cash player? What if you could face guys like Isildur and Durr, Phil Galfond, people like that? What, what if you could face those guys and crush them? Because you are the best, the flawless, no-limit hold'em cash player. Bet you love that, huh? I'd love it. I'm not the best NL cash player. I, I'm more of a limit player, as you guys know, but uh, if I have a table full of donkeys... I can kill it in no limit. I'm really good at beating donkeys both in limit and no limit. So you put me with bad players, I can exploit everything about them. 
He put me with a lot of good no limit players Then I can have a hard time So I'd love to be the perfect no limit cash player But how? Sure you can hire a poker coach But a poker coach will watch you play He'll give you his advice He'll be able to give his opinion But you won't know How big of a mistake you're making Like he can say oh well I would have done this differently Or oh I think this is bad or I think this is wrong But how wrong you can say well how wrong He'll say well very wrong what do you mean by very Like really really wrong or or just somewhat wrong Like It's very hard with a poker coach To have everything quantified As to the mistakes you're making Well what if You had a teacher that could go through Every single hand you've played And could tell you how much your mistakes were costing you on each hand It finds a mistake on uh, one hand And says, okay, this mistake would cost you uh, 2% of the big blind This mistake would cost you 10% of a big blind On average What if every single one of your hands could be analyzed And you could be told exactly what you did wrong By a perfect no-limit cash player I'm sure you'd like that I'm sure it'd be really interesting, right? Well, there's a new program called Poker Snowy that claims to do that, and they're not a sponsor here. I'm not promoting them. In fact, this whole thing may be hyped and overblown and and useless or a waste of money, and I'm not sure. So I just want to preface this segment with that. I'm not trying to promote Poker Snowy. I'm not suggesting you go out and buy it. Anyway, Poker Snowy is a software program that was developed using a neural network. And basically what it does Is they they have had Their own bots, they built bots Playing No Limit Cash And these bots play each other And they learn as they're playing So Basically it's playing itself Think if you could duplicate yourself Have five of you Sitting as your opponents At a poker table Well what would be interesting about that If you could do it Of course it's impossible And that's your Z Justin <laughs> Is you would be able to see All of your own weaknesses You would try to exploit your own weaknesses And by trying to exploit your own weaknesses When the other ones of you Try to exploit your weaknesses Then you will try to adjust And You will all keep adjusting yourselves Constantly till you'll get better and better Especially if after every hand Let's say you could reduplicate yourself So everything you learned from the previous hand You can now use for the next hand Well think of how much better you'd get with every hand Just learning from your own weaknesses From trying to exploit yourself From knowing your own moves Well That's what these neural networks do Is they play billions of hands Against themselves And get tougher and tougher That's the way the Limit Hold'em bot was built The one that was used in casinos Like Caesar's Palace and others Where you could actually play heads up Limit Hold'em Against a bot for real money And I played that a lot It's a pretty tough opponent They didn't have a no limit version But They used neural networks To develop it that way So The authors of Poker Snowy Which is also a software program They used a neural network To develop Perfect no limit cash play What they claim is perfect no limit cash play They claim that From all the hands it played itself It has now 
solved the game of No Limit Cash, both heads up and shorthanded in full ring. And that it can use its knowledge to help you play, to analyze your hands and say, well, if I were in your spot from all my billions of hands experience, this is how you should have done it. And not only is this how you should have done it, but this is how many bets you're losing on average by playing your way. So that's what Poker Snowy is said to do. Now, before you run out and buy it, I have to tell you about a few weaknesses it has already that are known. Uh, number one, it's not very creative with its bet sizing. All of its bet sizing recommendations are half pot, pot, or two times pot. That's it. Now, of course, it's analyzing your hand, so whatever you bet, uh, of course, is not necessarily going to fall into that range, or one of those three. But as far as what it's going to suggest for you, it'll be one of those three, which I think is a big omission on their part. Uh, Number two, you can't use Poker Snowy to play against the bots. It played against itself to learn how to become a good player, but you cannot play against any of the bots, so you can't keep playing it, and it doesn't advise you while you're playing. It just analyzes real hands you've actually played online and gives you advice on what you should have done differently. Third, there's no kind of questionnaire or quiz you can take. So even after you've learned these things, you can't then take a quiz afterwards and see if it really sunk into your brain. Now, supposedly those last two things, the quiz and the ability to play its bots, will be released in some other software packages the same company's going to release in the future. Also, if you buy Poker Snowy, you don't just own it and you can't just use it for unlimited hands. Uh, you're basically buying yourself a bunch of credits that you spend per hand it analyzes, and once you've used up your credits, you have to buy more, and it's not cheap. So you could end up spending a whole lot of money if you have a lot of hands analyzed, and I think they charge you more to analyze higher limit hands than lower limit hands. Now, something I don't know about Poker Snowy is whether it differentiates between low limit and high limit play. I have a feeling it doesn't. If it doesn't, that's a huge flaw for the reason I just stated regarding my own play. There are some plays I make at the poker table when I play No Limit Cash that work great against donkeys and amateurs. If I have a table full of amateur players against players who aren't very good at No Limit Cash, I could run them over. There's a lot of moves I I have that I can make and have made that are highly profitable. But you take those same moves and put it at a tough 10-20 no-limit game, and I'll get crushed. I play completely differently at a 10-20 no-limit game, or a tough online game, than I would at a game full of amateurs and donkeys. It's just a big difference in strategy. Now, limits like that too, but I've noticed no-limits even more like that. I just found that the optimal strategy in no-limit cash is incredibly different between high limits and and low limits. And I hope this program takes that into account, and if it doesn't, then it's making a big mistake. Because there's a lot of extra exploitable things you can do at low limits that you can't do at high limits, and if you're playing low limits, you shouldn't not do those things or you're leaving money on the table. The optimal way to play at low limits is to exploit all the weaknesses of typical low limit players. The 
optimal way to play at high limits might be closer to what's known as perfect game theory, where it's assumed your opponent is going to be pretty good. Now, you can make a game theory that is defensive to where it doesn't matter how good your opponent is to where it works against everyone, but it's not optimal because it isn't adjusting to a bad player versus a good player. So, I don't think perfect game theory, if it's a one-size-fits-all game theory, would be very good for a low-limit hold'em game. You might be able to beat it, but not as much as you would if you used other theories to exploit bad players. I don't know if Poker Snowy takes that into account. I couldn't find any information on that. I have to think it wouldn't because of the way it learned. It, It learned by playing itself, which by definition is a very tough opponent. So, does it have any experience playing bad opponents, and how does it use that experience? How does it look at opponents at the lower limits and know where they're bad and where they're good? How do they know the hand histories you're uploading from a 1-2 no-limit game? How do they know if you're playing against a bunch of donkeys at 1-2 no-limit, or if you're playing it against a, a bunch of grinders who 16-table 1-2 no-limit? It doesn't, because it doesn't have hand histories on these players other than what you're uploading to it. So I think that could be a big weakness in the program. It's not using any knowledge of opponents and making recommendations and telling you how much it's costing you to not play like it plays. So I think it's an interesting concept, and I think it's probably something more useful if you're playing against good opponents. Uh, If you are curious about this thing, Go to PokerSnowy.com That's P-O-K-E-R-S-N-O-W-I-E Dot com Again, not a sponsor Don't feel pressured at all to get this thing Because I don't make a dime from it I don't know even It's not like my friend owns Poker Snowy. I have no clue who owns this thing And as far as I know it, It could be terrible So I'm not recommending it I'm just saying if this sounds interesting to even try, I think there's like a 10-day trial you can get of it. In fact, I'm... Well, I can't get it myself because I haven't played No Limit Cash online in ages. So you you need some hand histories to use it. You can't just get it and say, okay, start analyzing my play. You, You have to have hand histories from one of 10 online sites it supports to show it, and it only analyzes No Limit Hold'em and only cash. So if you're a tournament player, it's not going to analyze that. If you're a limit player, it's not going to analyze that. But this is the first of its kind. Uh, there have been poker tutorial programs before, but those programs, uh, they're different. You would actually play against it, play against computer opponents, and it would say, well, our suggested play is you do this. But this is one that claims to be better skill-wise than any of these tutorial programs, and ones that actually take real hands you have played and tell you what you did wrong or right in these hands. So I thought I would mention it. Uh, supposedly this is banned from being discussed on 2 Plus 2 because 2 Plus 2 is very sensitive about free advertising. So they don't want something like this being discussed. And then people go download and buy Poker Snowy and in the meantime Mason Malmuth didn't make any money on ads. So anything that looks like it could be a backdoor ad, they don't allow which I think is not always the best policy because I think things like this deserve discussion. And I realize that Poker Snowy may get some additional business because I'm mentioning it on this show. But if they do, they do. It's it's something interesting. I think if you're a poker player, this is interesting to hear about. And I, I don't want to not discuss it just because the company may make extra money. 
Just like, uh, you know, if I hear of uh, uh, Taco Bell coming out with Doritos Locos Tacos, I'm not afraid to talk about it, thinking, oh, well, maybe people I talk about it will go buy the, the tacos. You know, like, I don't care. Maybe they'll buy it, maybe they won't. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to promote Poker Snowy or say it's great. I'm not going to mention it probably after this show, but I, I think it's useful to be able to discuss things like this as long as it's not blatant spam or free advertising. So, uh, I want to move on to a subject which isn't about poker, really. Before I do that, I'll check the chat room again. (laughs) So I check the chat room. I get this message from TMMLK. A private message. Pete, have you been to Gillette Stadium? I'm looking to go for a Patriots game. <laughs> Who's Pete? He mean Poker Pete? Does he mean Six Toad Pete who got banned from this site a while back? I don't know. Why is he calling me Pete? Why would I have been to Gillette Stadium? Now he's saying like the Pete Clown. See, he's not even. He's not even spelling that Pete correctly. The Pete he's referring to is uh, P-E-E-T. That's the clown. He's actually not a clown, he's a mime. But no, I've never been to uh, Gillette Stadium. I'm not an East Coast guy. I actually, I wish I have been to more stadiums than I have. Um, I haven't been to any stadiums except the following. I've been to Dodger Stadium, obviously. I've been to Anaheim Stadium. Been to uh, Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego, but not Petco Park. I've been to Fenway Park. Oh, sorry, I have been to Petco Park as well. I've been to both San Diego stadiums. And I've been to Boston Fenway. That's it. I took a tour of AT&T Park, but I didn't see a game. Oh, I'm sorry, I've been to uh, Chase Field in Arizona, too. Forgot about that. Anyway. You should ask China Maniac. He lives over there. Why are you asking me about Gillette Stadium? I don't live anywhere near there. So here's what I want to discuss. Now, before that, I'll I'll take this uh, unknown call. I probably shouldn't, but I'll take it. Caller, you're on the air. Yes. Go ahead. Who's this? Is this Team ML Gay? Yes. Marlin! Why don't you call from Skype instead of this uh, crappy phone? Because Skype doesn't work on uh, my uh, um, computer. Well, I, I will try to turn up your volume. You're very soft here. I just turned you up so, as much as I can. Uh, try to speak louder. Anyway, should, Go on. Shout out to um, Asian Spa, um, Sea Money, um, Down Crusher, and my favorite of all, Seriously Serious. Okay, now there's been an offer from Sea Money that if I keep you on the show for 45 minutes, which is pretty brutal, but 45 minutes, that he will donate $200 
to a future radio free roll here. So he's he's very much in your corner for some reason. So now, would you like the forty five minutes to start now, or would you like this on a different show? Well, you know what? I wanted to discuss this. I wasn't going to call in, but I'm going to discuss this now. Hey, C money. Um, listen, like I I didn't appreciate what you posted in the form about me. Um, oh, hold on, before we get to that, it's very hard to hear you. Like I'm, so, no, hold on a second. You're basically making me sound like I'm second tier. That all oh, put him somewhere in the halfway point, and uh, he and he's got to have a topic. Like get off your high horse. Like it's brutal. Well, you know, here's what, what I was afraid of. I'll tell you what I was afraid of, and maybe maybe you'll prove me wrong. But I'll tell you what I was afraid of. And that would be that I'd put you on here, and then when I'd be discussing the serious poker topics, that you'd interrupt with nonsense, and that I, I I wouldn't be able to get through any of them, and that people couldn't pay attention. That's what I was afraid of. So for that reason, I, I was going to put you on later in the show, to where we could be sure that you wouldn't be disrupting anything. Well, I understand, but every topic you've been talking about, I just tuned in like 20 minutes ago. And it's a fucking repeat from the last three months. It's ridiculous. No, these are it's all new things. The Dodger Stadium. It's always uh, little. Uh, Dodgers. You're the one who brought up the stadium, not me. Girlfriend didn't win. Wait, hold on. You PM me about stadiums, and you complain I talk about stadiums. And then you're talking about another topic that you talked about last week. Like it's the same show. Like I don't even know why I listen to the show. I should just listen to it for one week. And wait for another month, and it'll be a new topic. It's the same shit over and over. And he talks about me. Okay, well, here, here's what we have to do. Uh, I'm a very big believer in quality audio. And right now, your audio, which usually is good, that's one of the few good things about you, your audio is usually good. This time it's terrible because the, the phone is so soft and people are going to go crazy listening to us have a discussion where I am loud and you're very soft. So you need to find a way to fix your Skype and, or, or call in on a louder phone or something. You're extremely soft and it's just I not going to work. Phone. It's fine. You put on your... Do you need a hearing aid or I'm fine? Like, everybody else can hear me fine. You're, you're very soft. Like, I can I can tell you this. It's very hard to hear you. Well, and I, I have my volume all the way up. Well, how about now? I mean, it's it's fairly soft. I, I guess we could continue like this. So, so let's... Let me ask you, do you want to be on starting now, or do you want this some other time, this 45-minute thing? Well, hold on. I want to have this discussed, because I'm really upset over this. And even when I had a chat with C-Money about this, like, I told him, I said, I'm fed up with this, <laughs> and, and, I, and I want to be paid to be on air. And he agreed. But you want to be paid? By who? Yep. By you. I wanted to come no, to your No, I'm not paying you. If generous people are going to put up $200 and then you're going to tell me that I'm going to be in halfway on the show and I have to have a topic and I have to do this, right on your high horse, when somebody's sponsoring, you don't give anything to the site. If it wasn't for me, the 200 wouldn't be up. The reason the so 200 has been offered is, is for entertainment purposes. And I'm willing to do it as much as I normally would not want to put you on for 45 minutes. For the good of the site and the good of the free roll, I'm willing to do it. But let's not pretend that uh, you are the big draw to this show. In fact, you have driven people away from this show. Yeah. And for every one I drive away from the show, I have fucking 100 people that listen and download it. I, I wish so that were true. If, if, we were really getting, if we were getting 100 people 
tuning in because of you for every one we lost, then I would have you on from start to finish. I, I would actually pay you then. Well, then, then I could sell I'm ads and make all that. kinds of money. Okay, but you never give back to the site, and I'm volunteering my time on the site when I got fucking player haters telling me, "Well, you're this and that," but I don't even participate in the free rolls. I don't need, I don't need your guys' money. You know, like I'm doing the fucking form a favor, not like, and then you treat me like shit. I'm not treating you like shit. I'm giving oh, cool. you time on this show. I am. Uh, I give you time. No, you haven't. Every week you call in, I take your calls. I, yeah, I give you a forum to speak. I give you a forum to speak. When you run out of things to talk about, I can't just let the show drag. Then I have to hang up. But I, I give you a chance to speak on here, even if it's to criticize me or the show, even if it's to, to brag about yourself. I've been very fair to you here. I've given you plenty of time. In fact, I have people asking me sometimes, why do you keep putting Team MLK on? He's, he's ruining the show. He's making a mockery of the whole thing. Why, why do you keep taking his calls? Why not just shut him out? And I say, no, there's some people that like to hear him. So... I'll give him his time here. Well, I'm just saying that I need more respect from you. Ah, and I'm helping the form by getting a free roll. If you put up $200, that'd be a different scenario. You're not putting up the 200 but It's coming from C-Money. You're not helping anyone. I, yeah, but yeah, but C-Money, yeah, but he wouldn't be putting it up if it wasn't for me. Nah, he's put up a lot so of money. This is just his latest time. condition. Okay, so so uh, we we're gonna call somebody else here. Somebody else wants to be called, uh, Josie. She says she wants to call in, and I, I think it's I think it's a, a decent time to call Josie here. I don't think uh, I think if we're ever gonna find kind of a, a lull in the show to move on to a, a more lighthearted topic, I think. Well, I shouldn't say lighthearted here's, because this here's is, what I propose. Here, listen, hold on. Oh, no. Before you put on Josie. Um, here's what I propose. I'll, I'm willing to do maybe 10 minutes a week or something <laughs> uh, in order to qualify for this 45 minutes, if that's okay with seeing money. But I'm not going to stay on 45 minutes until I get an apology from you because I'm not going to do shit for the site when you guys treat me like haters. You know? So. Well, look, if you want to split up the 45 minutes into 10-minute intervals, I think that's fine. I think it's better for everyone so they don't... Uh... They don't get Team MLK'd out. I, I've said before, yeah. people have asked me about Team MLK, do you like having him on the show? And I say, he's interesting to have on the show in small doses. That's my overall opinion of your calls to this show. Yeah. And I'm getting the fucking people on the form $200. So I've been on radio uh, how long over the last three months? You're not giving them anything. Months, maybe 10 minutes. You're giving them nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. I mean, I'm making I'm making that fucking viewers twelve hundred dollars an hour. I've been on radio ten minutes in the last three months, and I'm getting two hundred dollars for them. Like, come on. <laughs> this is what would be known as fuzzy math. Okay, let me add this this other unknown call on here. Call from unknown caller. To accept, press one. To send a call, you're on the air. Tell Tom number two, bad guy, to hang it up. He's <laughs> he's boring. Okay, so this is Josie, right? Oh, hold on a second. Who's this? That's Josie, and up she, oh, she hung up. Josie actually called up and, and told said Tom number two should hang up. She calls you Tom number two, referring to back to a bad oh, guy. Hold on, I've been on. Hold on a second. I've been on the Josie bandwagon. What's going on? Man? I don't know. She's not very happy Why about is he this. Why hitting on me? She's not very I happy mean, about this. 
Well, hold on, Jonesy. What's going on, sweetie? Well, like, let's let's find out. Let's find. I'm going to call her back here. Well, we're going to find out uh, what her beef is. She can on. tell you herself what how she feels about you. I actually thought you two might gang up on bad guy, but maybe not. Haters <laughs> gonna hate. Oh, I. So, Josie, uh, what is your problem with Team MLK? Just that wasn't me. Oh, that wasn't you? Okay, well, that's weird. No. That was another female? No. What, what other female listened to this show? I have no fucking clue that wasn't me. Wow. It's, it kind of sounded like you, but now yeah. that I hear your voice, it That's wasn't you. That's what I thought, Josie. Like, Josie, I thought, like, I'm on your bandwagon. Wow. I, I was wondering why I was getting player hated on. I didn't think you would do that to me. No, we're a tag team. I'd like to put you in a leotard and, and tag you into this fight with a uh, bad guy. Yeah, I was going to say. No, I, I, that wasn't me. Yeah, that, was, that would kind of be destroying one of your uh, greatest allies here. So, so we have two people on here who are very unhappy with, with bad guy. Uh, team MLK has not liked him for a long time. And uh, oh, Josie, okay. who was... Uh, Did he take his coins and pills, too? No, no. He probably would, though, oh. if given the chance. Oh, yes, he would. <laughs> but, yes, but, he would. You know, Bad Guy 23 and, and Team MLK have been fighting on this show and a previous show that I hosted. And then uh, now you and Bad Guy have a big fight on this forum, on Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, just, you know, he showed up about uh, two weeks after you accused him of stealing your Vicodin. And appearing on the show, accusing yeah. him of it, and yeah. and so he just showed up yesterday to finally respond. And there's like a ten-page thread now with you and him fighting very vigorously back and forth. A lot of yeah. accusations on both sides here. Now I have to tell you, I was away last night, which is why I wasn't able to do the show till tonight. So I actually didn't get okay. to. I did not get to hear the calls that you and bad guy made to the emergency radio that beer and poker did I didn't night. call in last night I had to get up today I had you know I usually can sleep in with my job like I had to be up for a call this morning so I didn't call in last I had to go to bed I didn't call in I listened to it though okay you know what I suppose I want to have hold on a second Josie I want to take $200 and I want to from my money I'm giving to the site, and I want to get bad guy a phone to call in right now. This guy never has a phone. His phone's on his mummy's fucking cell phone. Get this guy a phone so I can Well, okay, Team MLG, you're welcome to send him money if you want. Uh, you can't take C money. No, no, no. No, he's in Grammy Land. Grammy Land has a landline. He can call from there. Yeah, call Grandma Land. Get this fucker on the phone. Yeah, all so, Grammy land. So okay, I mean, so, so Josie, I guess you didn't come on last night. Then I, I had heard you did, but I guess I got the wrong information. So so no. okay, so he has responded, and his claim on the forum is that he never took your Vicodins, that you're crazy, that you're making this up, that that he, uh, um, in fact, he's really angry at both you and me for this whole thing. He thinks I jumped on your side too quickly. He thinks I was doing it just yeah. because you're female. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, this is retar- first of all. Okay, he's a proven liar. Okay, like he lies about everything. Yep. Google his name, there's a bunch of scams. He, he railroads people and lies. And the thing is, it is, it's only, they're like five. It was so fucking stupid to take them. You broke your hand out of giving them to you. And I'm just done. He knows I'm done now. And he's upset. Like, he, I will never let him come to my house for, you know, like a, a sabbatical from the walrus. If she harpoons him with her horns, there's nothing I'm going to do for him anymore. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, he's not welcome here again. Because 
he stole my credit cards when I was young and stuff, and he steals, like, the whole family's credit cards. I mean, he's railroaded poor Grandma Rosa so many fucking times, that poor thing she told you. Like, but he hasn't stolen from me for a long, long time. And the fact that he would resort to stealing again, and he truly did ask me if I had OCs. He was like, can't I just get some OCs? I'm like, Tom, I don't have OCs. I'd be fucking, I'd have crushed them up and snorted them all. Like, I don't, I don't have them. So, like, it wasn't even an option. And then I gave him four. I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's saying I gave him. I gave him four Vicodin five. And then I, I, you know, go to bed and he stays up all night fucking spilling chew on the felucca and shit. So, it, he took my bottle at some point. Then he wakes up in the morning, says he wants to leave. And I did drop him off at his grand. He lies about everything. Like, he has nowhere else to go. It's his Grams or Tammy's. His mom, Immaculate, doesn't let him at the house, so you can only drop him off at Grandma Rose's or Tammy's house. And I don't care when he goes to Tammy's. It's cool. I'm glad he likes her. They're a good pair. But, like, I don't understand why he lies about this shit. And I really am, I'm done. And I really am mad that he would steal from me. And it's, it, but it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm over it. I got a new script. I'm, I'm rolling. But this is what he wrote. He said, guys, I only steal out of kids' piggy banks. Josie is most likely talking about when she became a stripper. She came to my grams, and I threw change at her as she ruined my St. Louis Cardinals jersey by writing in green marker, who's fat now? I LOL'd when she told me she was a stripper, threw change at her, and she ran off naked. So so what's that about? I I was a stripper. I was a stripper. Um, I stripped for a couple years. Uh... And I did do that actually. Yeah, I remember that. They are saying he he always like he'll say I have boxies, I look like Mr. Ed, um, I'm fat, all this stuff. And like I've never been fat. Like I've always been thin. So he, and like I'm like fat, Tom. I, you got to get some new material. And he says my teeth are too big for my mouth, and that I have a big head, all this stuff. So like I just I got real mad one night, and so I cut his St. Louis jersey into like. McDonald's French fry strips and it looked like like fucking moccasins and shit and so I went over and I was like look look and I opened up the jersey like all the strips I had cut it in <laughs> I said who's that <laughs> he started going crazy and so he, he was throwing quarters at me and he was flicking Grandma Rosa's porch light on and off like it was like a strip club <laughs> <laughs> like a strip club <laughs> okay so so, uh, so let me understand you you he was calling you fat, and to get back at him for being called fat, you cut up his St. Louis Cardinals jersey into tiny pieces, and then he got mad. No, about no, no! It. I shredded it. Like I left the neck intact, and so I wore it, and it was like one, like a flapper dress. Oh, I like see, I, was, I see. You, 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 you know cut I mean? it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you, you cut it into strips, but where you didn't actually pull the strips off, and then you put it on yeah, the, like that, yeah. and, 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 like, and said, "Who's like fat?" A dress. And then you yeah. said, "And then you wrote uh, who's fat now' on there." On the back. On the back, I left the back intact, so the front was like a flapper shimmy dress, and I danced, and then I opened it up and showed my flat belly and tiny thighs. Oh, and so, the, so then he started throwing quarters at you like you were a stripper and, and turned the lights on and off. Yes, flicking them on and off. I guess to create ambience. So it kind of sounds like he was turned on by this whole scene. It didn't seem like he was mad if he's uh, no, no, he quarter, throwing quarters at you. He, he was disgusted. He hates me. <laughs> I, like, I'm so sick of them calling me the same fucking names all the time. I'm ugly. I'm fat. I'm this. I'm that. No, your girlfriend's fat. I am not fat. <laughs> like, so he's never, he hasn't had a woman right that now. looked like me in about 10 years. 
he has not had a good-looking woman in probably over 10 years. Okay. I did get back with him about now, six years ago, but, like, for a hot minute. Okay. Now, it says in the thread also he wrote, uh, someone asked if he stole the bottle of Vicodin. And he said, no, the pills he, she gave me had caffeine in them, and she knew I took four. I broke my hand two weeks before that, and she made the thread, just listen to radio no, tomorrow. She doesn't like She doesn't no, he, like that I like Tammy. His hand, no, he broke his hand the night before, not two weeks before that. I have pictures of his bruised hand with time stamp property. Because he said, look, he said, I punched that fat pig's refrigerator. And so I don't know why he's saying it wasn't the fridge. I picked him up at the house, and when I went over Tammy's to pick him up, he... I was, I was like pulled back in the driveway and he came out the back door holding his backpack and he like Heismaned all these boxes over when he was walking around out of her house and he left her door open when he left. And he now, was like, this pig, I was like, what are you doing? Now you're telling me like, that he, uh, he broke his hand from punching the refrigerator. Now, is this kind of the equivalent to punching a wall except if it's a fat chick and you punch the refrigerator? <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah, maybe it was symbolic, like here, eat some food, bitch, what a banned door. I'm I mean, yeah, sure. maybe if he hit it hard enough, she won't be able to open it, so. Right, yeah, yeah, maybe he's putting her on a diet. This might be uh, TK's weight loss plan, break the fridge. <laughs> By the way, we lost Team MLK, he just he just kind of hung up. I didn't hang up on him, he just he just hung up. So, all right. Oh, he's done with us? Okay. So, let me, uh, let me go on to uh, some things he says, uh, this is to me, he says, Druff, you just can't deal with a whore who's pretty. So at least he's calling you pretty. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you're a fucking oh, joke. You're you're a fucking joke, fucker. Your whole family should be plastered <laughs> on every site. I thought you were a good guy. Then a chick who are, who is a seven. So I guess you're not that. But you're only a seven. But it's still better oh, than average. Yeah, seven. That's still better than average. It's not that bad. Uh, uh, well, that's uh, a C. That's a C in school. Well, it depends right? if you're that's talking about school. No, because like a chick who's an eight, uh, you wouldn't say is a B. An eight is pretty good. So. Uh, anyway. Oh, okay. And like a five wouldn't be an F. You know, five is average. That's a different scale. Uh, then a chick okay. who's who is a seven talks to you and you fall in love. My fucking name, my girlfriend's name is all over this bitch, referring to the site. I'll make sure your shit's uh-huh. plastered and your niece's foot will be on the Domino's website. What is your niece's foot? What does that mean? Uh, it's, it's, it's an old controversy from years back. Uh, you, uh, you fucking okay. big-headed Jew fucked me. <laughs> now, now, now go call a 976 number while I lick your girl's pussy and, and ass, you fucking okay. Jew. So now he's going to fuck Benjamin's mom because you pissed him off. I, I guess. Now, I never thought I was a, a big-headed Jew. I don't think my head is big. I, I, no, no. I do want to get on your shoulders and take a photo of it from behind. I don't think it's big. <laughs> what? Get on my shoulders? <laughs> I mean, couldn't you, you told just... me you had a bald spot. It's cool. Oh, okay, okay. You're talking about... Uh... You're talking about uh, being able to see my bald spot by getting high enough to see it. Okay. Now, yes, I think he's just yes, saying my head is big, though. Tall. I think he's just saying I have a large head. Maybe he means, like, like figuratively, not, a large head. I don't think you have a large head. He says I have a big head, too. Maybe he thinks all Jews have big heads, because huh. I am a quarter Jew. So maybe he thinks, like, we're all big-headed Jews. I don't know. Yeah. So, Does he say you have Mr. Ed piece ever? Has no, he no, that hasn't been said to me, no. Okay. All right. Uh, then he says, uh, Druff, you still believe her? Oh, wait. Yes, you do, because you, you didn't have to dial a number or type something in to pull in a bitch. I love that this big-headed Jew said six times during the broadcast that he believed her. Druff, get some pussy, you moron. 
Josh, does it hurt you when Tom talks to you like this? No, no. I've, I've had people talk to me like this on the Internet forever. but Okay, you're conditioned. Yeah, very much, especially on this site. So am I. I've been, I dated a verbal assassin for 13, 13 years, so I'm well-equipped. I'm like, I'm like a fucking, I'm like a sniper in this motherfucker. I'll hit you right back. Um, okay, so then, then there's another uh, accusation to you. Okay. Because uh, um, I have a little tidbit for you, Josie. Yes. Uh, Druff thinks you're great, but has no clue you lost your virginity to a brother, referring to a black guy. Uh, tell them about your mommy. I warned you about this. I will tell you one last time. I did not steal Vicodin pills. You, you gave the, the pills you gave me had caffeine in them. So he's claiming. I don't know what he's talking. Okay, first of all, I'll address all these things. Truthfully, I did. I did. I had sex with with a black guy when I was young, um, and he always brings it up. So he like makes fun of me about it. Meanwhile, he has a baby. To the the Tammy, she has a kid, a black kid, to a black guy. They call Smoke. His name's Dondi. And the, he says the kid looks like Demolition Man. Do you know that fucking wrestler, Demolition Man? Yeah, yeah. It's an albino black kid. And it has, like, crazy blonde hair. And he calls it Demolition Man. If Dondi knew that, he'd break Tom's legs. But, um, anyhow, so he, like, makes fun of me for having sex with a black dude when I was a kid. Yet, Tammy, Steady, uh, engulfs chocolate cough. But that's cool. I mean, like, and I really don't discriminate. Like, I don't, I don't really care. I would like whoever, whenever, at, at any point. But, like... He's he's just so angry about my mom. I have my mom is a fucking saint. Not sure what's wrong with her, um, and what and and the caffeine thing. I like DRK. Uh, he said to me on the form. He says, "What numbers on your pills? They're they're Vicodin fives. I gave him the numbers. It's M two five seven or something. I don't know what he's talking about. Caffeine pills. I have Excedrin. Maybe he took some of the Excedrin too. He probably took my Excedrin bottle. I should go check for that." But I I don't know I don't know what he's talking about. It they were Vikings. Why would I have no reason to lie? That's so fucking stupid. And then it was also brought up in the thread. I'm just, you know, by the way, I'm not violating anyone's privacy here. I'm reading things that are publicly posted by oh, yeah, yeah. No, both, both Josie that's and fine. Bad Guy on the forum uh, and are still up there. But it was then discussed about Bad Guy's dick, and I guess you revealed that uh, his dick is big, but it uh, has a problem standing up. Is that your Assertion? Well, he oh, so my he we go over um one of my cousin's house and uh, he always requ- her, he always requests Viagra from her and I don't know who he uses the Viagra for obviously Tammy not me um and he always requests Viagra when he goes to the house and he so when he always stayed here like he's been staying here for like the past year like off and on like when Tammy and him fight or when he wants to leave his grandma's I let him stay here. And he's never tried to have sex with me. And I thought it was weird because, like, I'm better looking than any woman he could usually, like, get within his grasp. So I thought it was odd that he wouldn't try anything. And finally, I, I was like, Tom, like, he gets my penis, it just, my dick, it doesn't get hard anymore. And I was like, oh, I think it's because he drinks too much. But, like, he got Tammy pregnant. So it must work sometimes. Maybe I just don't do it for him. Maybe he does for real, like big women. Now. Well, no, maybe, maybe he's, no, maybe he's using Viagra with Tammy. Maybe that's what he's doing. Yeah, or yeah, maybe he or he saves the Viagra to use with her. Maybe he would just prefer having sex with her. That's fine. It's whatever your preference is, whatever you're into. All right. So, so, but you will acknowledge he, he does have a big one. It just it just doesn't uh, get harder. Oh, it yeah, it's. 
truly one of the biggest penises erect that I've really? ever seen. I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh. But, mm. yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really want to see for myself, but I'll take your word for it. So. Yeah, it's pretty big. Um, right. It's uh, but I, it, I don't know if I told you he he got he was playing basketball once and he wasn't wearing underwear and the skin of his penis got caught on his zipper and it peeled and so his dick like it it looks weird like it's pink and brown like it's swirled because like the skin peeled back so it's kind of weird but it's big. Okay. So I guess the ideal situation for him, if what you're saying is true. Is that he takes Viagra and then dims the lights really low, so it looks all like it, it, with the lights dim low, you probably can't see that. So and like, you probably can't see Tammy's gut, so it's probably a very romantic situation. Yeah. No, actually, you know what? It, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I discovered this a long time ago, long, long time ago, that indirect light is the best because everyone looks better in indirect light. Not not so dark that you oh, can't. Yeah. Not so dark yeah. that you can't see everybody. You want to be able to yep. see some. But not like too much. So like, if it's indirect light, everyone looks great. And okay. Okay. Like yeah. I, I started noticing. Well, I'm gonna, like I'll I, take that into consideration. I started noticing that it, it was most common that girls were acting like they were like super into me and like really, really physically attracted to me when it was kind of like not totally dark, but like kind of like you know semi dark where we could see each other, but it's not like bright lights on us. And I'm like, huh, why, what, why is it always indirect light that brings the girls out? And then I realized, oh, like I looked at the girls, I go, you know what? She looks better too in this in this light. And I, I realized... Probably everybody looks better in They do. I, said, I, real, I realized everybody looks better in indirect yeah. light, and uh, and that's the way to do it. I bet, I bet Tom's yeah. penis is no no different than that, you know? I think right. It's, so, uh, I mean, indirect... him and Tammy probably both look really good when the lights are real low. Yeah, so I, I, th- I think that uh, if anybody learns anything from this show, that uh, they should... Try to have sex in indirect light, and I think everybody would be a lot happier. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. So, yeah, Sheets agrees. Sheets said I had indirect light installed in my apartment. So even Sheets. Sheets, good call. He must be an ugly motherfucker. <laughs> no, but you just said everybody looks. You don't have to be ugly. You just you just look no, better. Yeah. You just look yeah, everybody better. Everybody does. You're right. Yeah. Like, like, why not? Red why light, not improve? too. Like in the strip club, you know, it's it's red light. It's like red lighting in the strip club that you look real good in that too. Like, yeah, it, like it camouflages any like flaws you may have. You know what? That that's even a better suggestion because if it's red light mm-hmm. in the room, you can both look better to the opposite sex, and you can develop photos at the same time. Right? Because you can. This is this is rally sense of humor. But yeah, that you, you could multitask on. Okay, so, uh, so, so, what's the current status here? With with, uh, I saw he posted your address, which I understood yeah. because you had posted his address. So yeah, but I had it up for like fifteen seconds and took it down myself. But yeah, I know that. I I know. But so so the way I approach this, I, I see. It seems like whenever I don't go on to Poker Fraud Alert for a day, that's always when something big happens. So, sure enough, both when you had your thread about the Vicodin. And when he responded, both threads, which were about two weeks apart, I was gone the day they were posted. So, I... Yeah, I th- like, so when you leave, shit blows up. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is they don't even know I'm leaving. Like, I don't like to say when I'm leaving because then people can abuse the form. But uh, I didn't even say I was leaving. <laughs> it just kind of randomly happened that way. But, uh, so when I saw your address up there, I removed it and... Thanks. Uh, so, it's cool. I mean, if anybody wants to stop by, it's cool. Bring pills... Yeah, bring pills. That's right. Bring She's... pills and a fountain pop. I also like fountain pop. I'm not much of a drinker, so don't bring alcohol unless you need it to get drunk to fuck me. Okay. So... Yeah, I, I. 
just bring fountain popping pills. So, so here's a question from the chat, and I think uh, this actually would be a good discussion topic. Okay. JStat says, ask Josie about the strip club business. That's good radio. And, uh, you know, I, I think our listeners would like to hear from a stripper about certain things that I know I've always been curious about strip clubs. So let, let's start from the beginning here. Uh, did you work in a club that was 21 and over or 18 and over? Honestly, I don't even know how old they had to be to get it. I don't know. What well, could you drink in there is the question. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's free there's free beer if you pay a cover charge. Okay, is that is that how it works? Yeah, so so pay a cover well, charge, but you get a stamp though. Okay, so but, I don't I don't know. So so yeah, and, uh, was beer. it was it full nude or was it um, was it topless? Not topless. Okay, so that's the way it usually is. It, uh, from what I've heard, the in most states or maybe even all states, the twenty one and over clubs are the ones that are uh, topless. And the full nude yeah, ones are, are eighteen. Are, are eighteen and yeah, over. Yeah, they don't. They don't leave full nude when they're serving alcohol. That probably I don't know. Probably maybe someone would attack you and stick their head in your vagina. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, if they're drunk, they don't like to be full nude. Yeah, that that makes sense. So I guess it was twenty one, and it was topless. Okay, so topless. Now, was this the type of club? What city was this in Pittsburgh? Yes. Okay. Now, was this the type of club where? Some of the girls would take guys in the back and uh, and do things that technically weren't on the strip clothes menu, so to speak. It was like the, it, it, it's one of the nicer ones in the area. It's like not the shitty one. Um, and really, the only people that got away with that were like like when Ben Roethlisberger came in. Yeah, he got hit. But like, <laughs> I like no like the normal guy, like a guy like if they went to touch you in a wrong way, like before I could even say anything, people would bum rush the door in the champagne room. Like they're, no, it's not real shady, but like Ben did whatever he wanted and stuff like that. No, like normal guys. So so Ben Roethlisberger came in and he he was able to get what he wanted, but but for average guys coming in, they they couldn't get a blowjob in the back or anything. There was just, that just didn't happen here. No. Okay, so so I guess that goes on to my next question, that, uh, that you did not do anything like that with any of the clients there? No, Ben never even asked. No, Ben didn't ask for oh, me. Wow. I'm so, a seven. Ben went for the ten. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> now, now, what did the girls look like in this club? Is that, I, you know, I know there are some clubs where all the girls are really hot. There's some where it's a big mixture. There's some where it's uh, it's unlikely to see a single girl dancing who doesn't have a C-section scar. So, <laughs> uh, so the question um, is, what, what was this club like as far as the average girl um, dancing there? Average. There were no – everyone's thin. Um, not everybody is, is real attractive. Like, there there were – like, I'd say probably, like, fives to, to nines, like, if, if we're using, like, a, this, this woman scale. Uh, no fat people, though. Everyone was thin. Like, nice bodies. There were really no nasty bodies. But there – like, there were a couple girls that, like, if you saw her on a street, you wouldn't even look at her. But, um, like, she was real average. And then, like, the, and there were really pretty girls, too. Like, yeah, it was kind of a little all over the board. Not a lot of C-section scores. <laughs> so so the lap dances people would pay for, how, how much were the lap dances at the club that you worked at? Well, that was a while ago. So I don't know what they are now. They were 20. They were 20 then. And and really all you would do, it would really just be you would you would do a traditional lap dance and that was it? And, uh yeah, and, and yeah. They, so I get ten, and the club gets ten, and then you get a tip. Yeah, you just, yeah. I mean, it's a big room with a bunch of like lounge uh, recliners, and yeah, you you just it's just a dance. And did they did they try to do anything uh, fresh there, like put their mouths on your breasts or no, anything like that? No, 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 no one ever did. Well, there's guys 
so the bouncers were standing. So it's literally a room, like a big, big room with like recliners, like three rows of recliners and like recliner type chairs. And there were guys, there were bouncers periodically spaced throughout the entire area. No one ever did anything weird hmm. during a lap dance. No, not so, with me. I don't, I don't know. So, so how old were you during the times you worked there? Um, I went back for the all-star game when the all-star game was in Pittsburgh. So I think I was like 28 or 29 when I went back and then in college. And in college. I say, so you, and what made you stop going there? What made you quit there initially? What do you mean? Well, what what made like, you like in college? Because I got because I graduated college and I got a good job. Wow! So you were actually and one then, of the few. You were really one of the few strippers that was actually really there to, to pay your college tuition. Like you always hear that. Where just, to, like, where, yeah, they we all say it. Yeah. God, that's that's why I went. And then um, then I went back because the All Star Game was in town, and I actually had a stripper that lived next door to me. And she was like, Josie, she's like, there are so many men in for this all-star game. And she like, kept telling me, and I was about to get laid off. Um, and I was like, really nervous. I'm like, I own a house. You know what I mean? Like, and I just started getting really nervous. And she was like, just, just come down. So like I hit the tanning bed hard, went on a starvation diet. And <laughs> I just like dropped like 10 pounds. And you have to be really thin in order to make money. I don't know why, but like men... Like, I was the skinniest that I've ever been when I was stripping because you, it's like when I put on five pounds, it's like I didn't make as much money. Like, you got, I probably weighed like 120, 125 pounds. Now I weigh like 135, 140. And, and, uh, here's a question from Beer and Poker in the chat room How many of the girls that you worked with were popping pills at the time? Um, but there's a, pills is, pills is like child's play. They're, like, strippers truly, like, you either save your money because there were strippers there. I'll tell you this. There's, it ran the gamut. There were girls who would snort their profits at the end of the night. There were girls whose, whose husbands were state police, and they had this job solely so they could be home with their kids during the day. I shit you not. <laughs> normal, I swear to God, normal hot girls. Like, she's built nice. She figures, where, how, what other job can she do making this much money and be home with her kid all day? Um, then there were girls, I mean, like, it's, if you use shit recreationally, like, I mean, like, you buy whatever you want to take or whatever, but, like, you don't snort all your profits, then it's fucking pointless. Like, I have a mortgage to pay. I had to fucking, you can't be a clown and just be a fucking junkie. Yeah, actually, you know, the, the pills question, since we're talking about uh, quite some time ago, maybe 15 years ago when she stripped there, uh, pills weren't that big back then. Pills have been more no, like, it, like the last yeah, 10 years it, sort of thing. It's more drugs, like like street drugs. Like those girls did coke, um, heroin. Like they, they did drugs. Yeah, pills really – And I, I've never done that. They, they really hit their prominence in the 2000s, not so much the late yeah. 90s. So, okay. and, and uh, Well, you know what? During the um, – actually, there were a lot of – that's it's funny you said that because when I went back to the All-Star game, how, far, how long ago was that? Like five, six years ago? Seven years. When was the All Star Game? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember when it was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was like seven years ago or something. The, the girls, there was a lot of pills floating around the club then. Not at all, really, in high school. I don't, or I'm not high school. I'm sorry, college. I don't remember pills there in college, but uh, there were pills. Now, how many of these the did you have? Forget the, the other girls. Did, did you have a boyfriend during the years you worked there as a stripper? 
in college. Me and Tom broke up when I was in college, and then we would we would get back together. Like Tom and I went all, out for thirteen years, off and on. So, so how did so Tom feel about was, this? Like, how did Tom and anyone else you dated feel about you being a stripper? I when he gets mad, what it's he's Tom's Tom. When he would get mad, he'd call me a dirty stank whore. Um, go get naked. Like <laughs> just choke on a cock, swallow cum, like whatever. He he just says vulgar stuff. It really wouldn't have mattered if I was a stripper or, or an elementary school teacher. That's just how he talks to women. Um, and look look how he talks to his grandma. He's just vulgar. Um, but like, so Tom is not a good example. Like like more normal dudes that I dated, nobody liked it. I mean, how would you like it? No, I wouldn't. That's why I was thinking about it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't go over well. And how much did you make a night usually? Like on a weeknight, like I don't know, three, four hundred. On a weekend, you you, you make about a thousand, two thousand bucks. Wow. Yes. It's funny. And I'm because not even that hot. Can you imagine if a ten was on it? It's it's funny because I've heard that strippers make all this money, yet few of them seem to have much money. I guess they just because blow it. they're they're junkies. Yeah, Most they either blow it on drugs or on, on clothes stuff. or who knows yeah. what. Like I I just they must be so bad at managing money. They must be worse than poker players. Uh, yeah, it's 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 very bad. Drop and, and in all honesty, I'll tell you what. There's so much money to be made. Truth be told, like if and I know nobody wants to think of like it, their daughter doing this, but like if a girl just got out of high school at 18 and stripped from 18 to 22 or 23 while her body looks the best it'll ever look, go away, go move to Vegas or something, bank all your fucking money. You'd never have to work. If you had no drug problems or anything like that, you could have, you could be so rich. Like, I wish I'd have thought of it, but like, I just did it periodically, like, throughout college, and I did it at a fucking Bohunk town. I mean, I should have went to Vegas or something. So this is career like, advice here from Josie to young girls everywhere. Yeah. Forget college, yeah. just strip for five years and, and be careful with your money. Strip. Yeah, just, be careful with your money. Bank it. Invest it. Get a 401k. A stripping 401k. A stripping 401k. <laughs> so... Uh, I've heard that at these strip clubs that the girls that dance there, there's a lot of bisexuals and lesbians there. Did you find that to be the case? Oh, just 100%. 75% of those women are queer. It is so fucking hysterical. Like, my neighbor, she was a trip. Like, I'd hear her talking to guys like, hey, like, when we'd be in the club or whatever, like, when I went back to the All-Star game. She is so manly and hates men so fucking bad. Her lip curls, like, when when she's dancing on a man, like she looks disgusted, but no one's looking at your face. So <laughs> they they truly they're seventy five to eighty percent of those women are lesbians. Wow! And you you have to think about it. Look at the fucking clientele that comes in here. Like dudes would come in these hideous, repulsive men. Like, yeah, if we were on the street, would you date me? I'm like, yes, absolutely, I would. Like, what do you think I'm gonna say? I want to dip. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next. Uh, there's obviously a, a wide variety of men that come in, but some that have to be very unappealing, especially ones that uh, are much older or just are really fat and ugly yeah. or whatever. Like, uh, was it hard to bring yourself? I know you're not having sex with them or giving them blowjobs, but you know, I, was it hard to bring yourself to uh, e- even do lap dances for them, given that you're like so repulsed by them? Um, like what? Like when they say, like, well, if they say stuff like "yeah" or like, and I, I just, I want to spit or like piss in their eye. But I mean, it's 
I mean, like you do it. It's it's one song. A lap dance is one fucking song. I mean, you you can do anything for one song, I guess. I don't know. I mean, he's not touching me. I I'm not. It's like not hard i mean no like it's not you just think like you fucking tool bag you know what i thought was funny very very occasionally there would be like a really good looking dude that would come in and like he'd say the same stuff like would you date me and i'm like dude do you have no self-esteem i was like you're hot why are you here like and he's in there like i want to take you out of here like captain save a hoe like, he's in there trying to, like, fucking retire people. Like, well, it, want, it's funny you mention that. That's going to be my next question. Um, I've actually known of strippers that have been taken out of the club by whatever perverted dude is in there watching them and actually were taken mm-hmm. out and many times into very uh, wealthy homes. Like, like for example, uh, one that was once a stripper that... Uh, wasn't all that known as being a stripper, but definitely moved up in the world, was uh, Morton Downey Jr.'s wife. I don't know if people remember him from, from the 80s, but he married a stripper. He he met a stripper in a club, married her, and uh, then she just quickly became Morton Downey Jr.'s wife, and no one really knew that she was once a stripper. And now she's actually uh, married to a different guy on radio from, from L.A. And just... She, it's just kind of behind her now. No one talks about that she was a stripper. She just moved on. So were there a number of girls like that that were in your club that some rich guy came in and actually did take them out of there? And if if not, why doesn't this happen more often? I mean, this is Pittsburgh, not fucking Malibu. I mean, I, I didn't hear of anything like that. I knew people who had regulars that were really wealthy. Okay, um, I just kind of wondered, in. like, even in Pittsburgh, I would just think that there's pretty girls and they're stripping. There's guys coming in. Yes, some of them are losers and probably near broke, but there's probably some that come in there that are pretty wealthy that are lonely. Yeah, they were business. Yeah, they were business. And, and they're lonely or whatever. And that, that really, yeah. that are really like into the girls dancing there. And then the immediate thought comes to mind, okay, these girls are stripping not because they enjoy it, but for the money. I have a lot of money. I'm very attracted to this girl. Let me try to offer her, to, like take her away from this. Like, like you would think this would just be a natural thing to happen a lot, and I've known of a few cases like this, and these marriages, of that, course, I don't rarely yeah, work I don't out. But... I didn't know of any marriages or anybody that like saved anybody. Like, oh, okay. I pulled them out. I mean, like, but like that'd be like, I want to help you. I don't need help. I'm going to college. <laughs> like, I, but like, if that would, like, if that's what they were into and they wanted, you know, to be a superhero, I figured that would get a better tip. And I'm like, oh, okay, yes, very. Very distraught. Like I mean, I would say whatever. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you basically did it to the end of college, and then when you were done, you you just went and got a regular job and uh, put this behind yeah. you, except for the all star break. Except for the all star break, and I actually then after the all star, like I start like the money was like really good. I I stripped for a couple months then after that, just like okay, I just stop in. There's no schedule. Like you don't have to be there. You just go in when you want. Uh. And I went down a couple times after that, and then I was like, fuck it. I mean, I have, I have a good job. So. so you're actually doing this as like a supplement to your regular job? I did it. When, after the All-Star game, I did it for a little while after that. And then, but, but were you working a regular job I'm at the same time? now. What's that? Were you working a regular job at the same time? No, I, I had gotten – I was on the verge of getting laid off when I at the, right at the All-Star game, and then I was laid off for about six weeks. Oh, I and see. then I got a new job. So I, I quit shortly after my new job. You really can't 
do that. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. You know, we wouldn't even have this to talk about if uh, bad guy had not shown up and and mentioned this about you being a f- former. Yeah, I'm very I'm, I'm very grateful that he did. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Maybe he happened to uh, hit on a good thing there, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So Josie recommends that if you're a young girl listening to this show, or if you're the parent mm-hmm. of a young girl, that uh, then suggest that. Yeah, suggest, suggest that between that eighteen and twenty-three, if if your daughter looks good or if you look good, that uh, yeah. just just save almost every penny you make. Do not spend it. Yeah, bank it all, right. and then uh, you know maybe you'll have like a million bucks when it's all over after about five years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and if you like to fuck, just go to the bunny ranch and fuck, then you would make 10 times that. But if you're not into, like, penetration or if you're gay or if if you're, you know, a classy young lady, then just shrimp. Yeah, I wonder why there's so many why there's so many lesbians in, in the stripping business. I, I just never could figure that out, unless it's just the well, like... It's rough. You have to think about how you guys look like panting fucking canines. Sitting at that stage, like a bunch of well, so, so you, you, you think it's that it turns them into hating men just seeing this? Like, you think yes. that's what happens? Yes. Yeah, like, towards the end, I was like, you are, like, I just think you're beneath me. You're so primitive. Like, you see a pussy and you get entranced. Why? <laughs> but that's, it's just, it's just ridiculous. I just think you're so primitive. You, you're like a fucking Neanderthal. So, like, I don't know, after that, you... Yeah, I think they start hating men. I don't know. But, you know, if guys they didn't look- get if guys didn't get entranced by that, then I, I think we wouldn't have a population here. That's that's why uh, that's why so many babies okay, are born. Okay, yeah, good call. Yeah, I don't know, but and and then also like uh, they look at vagina. I've seen way too many vaginas. I don't ever want to see another vagina again. But I saw a lot of strange vaginas. You know, I've actually thought of that. That uh, especially ones that might belong to strippers that uh, where it may not be in that good a condition for whatever many reasons and like <laughs> I, I, I just if they have too many miles on them you know I, I'm not someone who's gone to many strip clubs I, I've been to a few but I, I haven't been to many I was never really into that scene but I, I just I remember thinking about it thinking I don't know if I want like a full nude club to be like right up close and personal with that when a lot of them are probably kind of nasty so to speak you know like I don't think I want to be that close to them I don't know what kind of clubs you've been to. Like, I, I think if you go to, like, a low-life club, there's there's nice clubs. I mean, the ones in Vegas, are, I've never been to one, but, like, I would assume they're probably beautiful. I mean, and the, their bodies are probably amazing. Um, I would assume. I don't know. Like, if you go to, like, nice places. I'm like, then, like, okay, so there's, there's the one club, the one that I stripped at, uh, and then, like, right down the street is where, like, the 40-year-olds. So if I wanted to go back to stripping now, I'd have to go to, like, the, Tier two. Oh, there's like a club. there's like a forty year old stripper club. Yeah, it's a forty year old stripper club. So like I I just I couldn't even do that. I the just battle wounds that I would see in there would just be too <laughs> too traumatic. So I hope I keep my job or uh, I marry well. And I'm yeah. I'm thinking that Dark Star is a good candidate. Yeah, he could be. You know, Sheets. It. If it doesn't work out with Sheets and his wife, you might have a shot there too. Okay, okay. Sheets, PM me. <laughs> like sheets, you know, sheets is taken at the moment, but you never know what the future brings. So you have to, uh, yeah. You have to I keep mean, that in your mind. wife could bounce on you at any fucking minute. Sheets, I'm gonna start doing kegels and uh, and sit ups. Okay. Yeah, and I think sheets has a, a number of pills too. 
I think it's the perfect man for Keith, you. Keith, my God, we would be a match made in heaven. Are you black? Our wedding song could be ebony and ivory. <laughs> no, no, Sheets is a Jew. So, okay. Oh, I love Jews. I fucking love Jews. Yeah, I was going to say. Sheets, send me a message. Okay, so... Let's, uh, he said he has four to five Percocets. That's not as much as I thought he had. But all right. Uh, okay, that'll do. Let's uh, let's see here. So I'm trying to think if there's any other questions about this. Uh, yeah, we, we was there have... any other ground you wanted to cover? Did you divulge any other areas of my life that you'd like to just uh, I've been kind of scamming it. Uh, scamming. Scanning it. And trying to see okay. if, if I can okay. find anything here. I, th- I think I've covered most I want to know, what I think is funny is, like, he's professing his love for Tammy, but he tells everybody that Tammy raped him. This is what I do. He says the o- he's only had sex with her three times and that she raped him and that he's going to sue her for raping him. And then he calls her a walrus and, like, fights with her and shit. And he calls her, like, will the beast and all different types, like, large mammals, warm-blooded animals. Like, I don't understand. So did... Does he love her, or did she rape him? This is what I want to know. Like, and he never addressed the rape accusation. Like, he has, everybody in this town is told that she raped him. Like, he denies fucking her because she's such a joke. Like, I don't understand. Like, I I don't understand why. Well, maybe he's saying it because, uh, you know, because he really does like her, but is embarrassed that she's fat and and just makes that up to sound better. I mean, it's obviously ridiculous that she's raping him, but... Uh, I know it's, I know it is. I mean, that's fucking absurd, but he was so embarrassed about fucking her because she... Tom does... He never likes fat, but that's his big thing. He hates fat. So I don't know if he's just plummeted this low that now, like, big women... That's Because I guess a good-looking, thin woman isn't going to keep him. Like, she lets him stay there. He doesn't work. Like, she's on welfare and shit, but still, like... she. Like they they have that Section Eight housing, but it's like a nice little house. Huh. But like it's so maybe now he's just had to like reach down that low in order to survive. I don't know. Okay, so I, I have a I'm, different question. Actually, I see a picture of you and a guy that uh, I think is identif- identif- identified as your boyfriend. Uh, do you have a boyfriend right <laughs> I now? Was just fu- I was just fucking around. Okay. A guy, that's a guy I know. It's not my boy. Okay, because the people are criticizing have, him. They they don't like that he's wearing a UFC hat. They think he looks like a douchebag. They think he has bad okay, tattoos. What's the big deal with the UFC hat? Why do you care? They don't like, like the UFC that hat. Is that gay? They they, I, think, like, they 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 don't like the UFC hat. They think it's a sign of a douchebag, and they don't like his tattoo. They they don't approve okay. of that guy. Okay. Yeah, I, it's it's just it's a guy. He's just a friend. He's the interesting really thing is that there is so much rep on that post of the picture of him, uh, and the funny thing is the rep is alternating green and red, and not even intentionally. It's it, it's red, green, red, green, red. It looks it looks like it's all ready for Christmas, you know. <laughs> no, I just put that up because he said he said I posted a picture of his fat girlfriend, posted a picture of my ugly boyfriend. Okay, so you it's so you don't really have a boyfriend. Of me and a dude. So, <laughs> I, I posted it. So okay, so you don't really have a boyfriend. No, I'm saying I can. No one likes me. I can't get it. I mean, Tom. How about Rosa saying I'm mad that Tom doesn't like me anymore? If if Tom Tenslick rejected me, I would kill myself. Like like the last girl did. Like I mean, I if Tom Tenslick didn't like you, wouldn't you just want to end? Like if you couldn't pull Tom Tenslick, wouldn't you just want to off yourself? Like, that's just so bad. Like, but no, I'm not dating anybody right now. Okay, well, 
I, I guess we've gotten all our questions answered here, and if uh, you know he's kind of okay. missing again, I, I welcome him to call in to give a rebuttal if he'd like, but he hasn't really been okay. around. So uh, th- thank you, Josie, for appearing on the show. I think we've gotten uh, a lot of good information out of you, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear from you again in the future. All right, Jeff. I'll talk to you later. Right, Bye. Thank you. That was Josie just kind of appearing. You know, I have to give TMMLK credit for this. I was going to do this segment later in the show, and then TMMLK called, and I actually thought we'd be starting our 45-minute thing, so I'm like, oh, might as well put Josie on at the same time, and maybe they can talk about bad guy together, but then he just... He he seemed to lose interest and hang up. I, I think he felt that. I, I think he felt that he was losing the crowd. That the crowd was paying attention to Josie and he was unhappy. I have a story, kind of like that, uh, from poker. A lot of you guys know about Crazy Mike, uh, Mike Thorpe. Crazy Mike is a poker player and he likes to act really crazy, just like what he calls himself, Crazy Mike. And he likes to make a lot of really blunt statements and just attract a lot of attention. In fact, he used to do what he calls the hyena yelp after every time he'd win a hand. Like, like really loud. Uh, They made him stop that because it was causing distraction in the poker room. But Crazy Mike, he would love to try to be the center of attention at whatever table he was at. Well, another player was kind of similar whose name was also Mike. This is Mike Winnett, also known as Squeaky. And Squeaky also was very loud, always the center of attention, always trying to get everyone to look at him and listen to him. So I thought, what would happen if you put Crazy Mike and Squeaky, the other Mike, the other Crazy Mike, together at a poker table? What happens when you put the two of them together? Because only one of them is going to dominate with a craziness. There's no way they could coexist. There's no way they would take turns being crazy there. They both want the attention so badly. So sure enough, at the World Series, it actually happened. I forgot which event, but some World Series event, they actually ended up at the same table. And the battle of craziness commenced, and Squeaky was the winner. And I walked over there, because I I noticed that after a while, I stopped hearing anything from Mike. I thought maybe he busted out. And I'm hearing squeaky over and over and over and over again. So I walk over there, and I'm thinking Mike is gone. No, Crazy Mike is sitting there with the most depressed look on his face. I've never seen Mike look so upset. But he was so upset because he couldn't do what he normally did because Squeaky was stealing his thunder. Squeaky out-crazied him. So rather than continue to be himself, rather than to continue to try to get all the attention... He just went into shutdown mode. It was really interesting. Because I was wondering exactly what would happen if you put those two together. So I think it's kind of what happened with TMMLG is that Josie kind of uh, took all the attention away from him. And he just had nothing more to say and hung up. Interesting. So uh, getting to our next topic... This is. I was going to get to this right before I got the TMLK call, but I'll get back to this now. I've had some criticism, not on Poker Fraud Alert, but somewhere else, from someone who was unhappy with my discussions on this show and elsewhere about ways to get over on Caesars and other casinos with their promotions. When I say get over, again, I don't mean any kind of cheating, 
I don't mean it doing anything illegal. I don't condone any of that. But I meant taking full advantage of comps, of promotions, of pretty much whatever they will let you do, whatever they'll let you get away with, whatever loopholes you can find in their promotions that make it profitable for you. Again, provided that you're not cheating or stealing or or doing anything illegal or anything like that. So, I got some criticism from someone who said that I'm a hypocrite. That I come on this show and I criticize Lock Poker and Full Tilt and UB for all the stealing and cheating and scamming they did, and here I go trying to scam the casinos. Here I go trying to get over on them. Here I go trying to find loopholes and glitches and everything and try to do what is not intended by them for their customers. I find a way to exploit it to to make it to where it's a positive expectation for me. And how can I be advocating such a thing if I'm someone who always talks about the importance of honesty and not scamming people and not cheating people. But this is different. I feel that if you operate within the parameters of what a company sets up for its promotion, even if you find a creative way to use the promotion in an unattended way, but still stay within the rules, still stay within even what they'll let you do, even if it's technically not part of their rules then there's nothing wrong. Then it's their fault for not crafting whatever promotion they have properly to where where it's profitable for them. If you figured out how to beat it, then great. Recall the fact that casinos exist to take your money. Casinos exist to lead you to believe that you're going to win there that you've got a fair chance to win, that you've got a good chance to win. When I say fair, I don't mean the games are rigged, they're not, but I mean that you you have a lot better chance of winning than you think at casinos. People don't realize when they play at casinos how small their chance is to win, not just in the, in the long term, but in the short long term. In just a few sessions of any length, how small your chance is to be ahead. And after a lot of sessions, how tiny your chance is to be ahead unless you win some huge jackpot. So, uh, Hollywood Dave, I know a lot of people don't like him, but he wrote a book about blackjack card counting and about casinos in general. One of the things he put is that Las Vegas is a lie. And I like that line because it kind of is. Where casinos try to bring you there with the belief that you've got a decent shot to win, when in reality they know that you don't. In reality, they do everything they can to make you forget that you've been losing. They do everything they can to make you think that whatever they're giving you, whatever comps they're giving you, are making up for whatever losses you have. Or that you win more often than you actually do. They try to distract you from that. They even have little psychological tricks like having no windows. Notice the casinos don't have windows. It's so you can't tell what time it is. You can't see that it's gotten dark. You can't see that it's gotten light because you've been there all night. So you don't notice that time has passed and you can lose more money there. All these little tricks. 
all the little bells and whistles on these machines. They're there so you can feel good when you win and not notice when you lose. Notice that when you lose on a machine, it's quiet. When you win, it's like ding, 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 ding. These are all little psychological games to make you forget when you're losing. Casinos exist to take your money. So if you can turn the tables on them without stealing, without cheating, then it's really your right to do so. One way, of course, is to count cards at blackjack. Now that's become pretty tough to do these days because they've found countermeasures to stop you from doing so. Or they've changed the games to where even if you count cards, you cannot win in the long term. But that's a legal way you can use to swing the odds into your favor. Not greatly in your favor, but slightly in your favor. Another thing you can do, and this is what I've been more talking about recently, is finding ways to take advantage of rewards programs. There's the quick hit sort of thing where you sign up for a player's club card, you find out the good ones in town, like the in Vegas right now it's the Cosmo and the Tropicana have the best sign-up promotions, play the free play and leave, and never come back. Uh, and you go around town doing those. That's Of course, you can only do those one time, but then you know you can get your wife to do it, you can get your mother to do it, you can get your father to do it, you can, you can start getting a lot of people. Anyone who's over 21 can get a new card can do it. But let's talk about things like Caesar's Total Rewards Program. Is it right to try to find every way you can to get the most out of it? The answer is definitely yes. Now, they have the best rewards program of any of the casinos, by far. They are trying to find ways to either downgrade it or to make it more difficult to get to the highest tiers in order to thwart what I call the seven-star grinders. But when they have these promotional tier levels and and rewards for reaching certain levels, if you can find the easiest way there, great. Then you've just beaten them at their own game. You've beaten them the same way they're beating you by having the sound, having a machine play uh, an exciting sound when you win and nothing when you lose. By advertising a certain return rate on video poker, but not mentioning that you have to play perfect to get it, and that uh, um, if it's less than 100, that over time, compounded, it's going to be a lot more than it appears to be. Uh, There's so many tricks that casinos use to get your money. If you can use tricks back without cheating to get money back from them or to get value back from them, there's no problem with that. It's you playing their same game back on them. So, the only danger that you could be causing yourself, and I don't mean real danger, but I mean danger as far as future being able to take advantage of these promotions, is that if you overdo it, that it's possible that either you will not get offered very much in the future, or that... uh, Eventually, they will change something to make it a lot harder to do, whatever you're currently getting away with. And that's another criticism I heard. Why advise people how to get to 7-star as easily as possible? Why advise people how to do this when all it does is screw people who got there the normal way, people who got there the traditional way, 
All it does is screw them by lowering their benefits. And my response to that is the following. When I read my first poker book, it was Lee Jones winning at Low Limit Hold'em. This is long before Lee Jones was working for Poker Stars. Called Winning at Low Limit Hold'em. He wrote it in the 90s. And it's a pretty good book as far as introduction to Limit Hold'em. And Lee Jones introduced a term called implied collusion. Now, implied collusion is not actual collusion. Collusion is illegal. Collusion is cheating. Implied collusion is not. Implied collusion was a term he used to describe low-limit hold'em. What he meant by that is that it was very difficult to bluff people in low-limit hold'em. It was very very difficult to win hands in low-limit hold'em without having anything, without having a real hand. Because there are so many people at the table seeing the flop, so many people that are going to chase you down, that it's almost certain by the end, by the river, that someone's going to have something. So that all the players are kind of unwittingly colluding to prevent you from bluffing. He didn't mean they were really colluding, just that their poor play actually together results in a situation to where everybody together is preventing you from bluffing. And Lee Jones' advice in the book was basically, you want to show the best hand in limit hold'em, in uh, in low limit hold'em. You don't want to try to bluff people off with nothing because they're always going to call you down, and because it's limit, there's no way to force them off the hand. You're always going to have someone calling you down with better if you're bluffing in low limit hold'em. So getting back to the Caesars example... Just like there's the implied collusion at low limit, limit hold'em, to where you're not going to win with a bluff, there's also kind of an implied collusion that applies to these reward programs. In that, you may think that you've found some sort of amazing loophole that nobody else can exploit. Or you may think that you've found the best way to optimally uh, get to seven stars, or optimally get the most free play with losing the least money. But there's a lot of other people just like you that are looking for the same thing. And with all the different people that are looking for the same thing, someone, and more than one someone, a lot of someones, are going to find it too. So anything that is exploitable in the system will be exploited whether you're doing it or someone else is doing it. And you can say, well, you know, why, why compound the problem? It's not a matter of that. It will keep being exploited until it's taken away and whether you are personally doing it or not is not going to matter there's so many people who will be doing these sorts of things and then they will adjust to prevent it that this is going to happen no matter what whether you do it or whether you don't and unless you think it's morally wrong to do which it's not it's going to happen anyway so you might as well get on it too That that's what I'm saying here uh, it's kind of like let's say you went to the store and notice that they mispriced an item. You know, a ten dollar item they're they're selling for a uh, dollar. And and you 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 bring the item up. To, you see, it's listed as a dollar. You bring the item up to the cash register. Sure enough, it rings up as a dollar. So then you run back and you you get a whole lot of them. And you go, oh wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't buy everything I see here, everything I need. Maybe I shouldn't buy twenty of this item, even though I need twenty even though I, you know, I'll just store the ones I don't need and use them later. Maybe I shouldn't buy 20, because if I do that, they're going to catch it. Maybe I shouldn't screw myself. I should just buy one of them, 
so I can keep coming back every week and buying another one for a dollar when I really need it. I don't want to screw it up for everyone else. Well, no, because if you don't buy this item for a dollar that's worth $10, the next guy who sees it will. And the next guy who sees it will. There's no way that by you abstaining from doing it that it will prevent it from changing back to what they intended to be in the first place. So basically, there's no point to abstain. There's no way you will get this message across to every single person walking by, hey, it's in all of our best interest to say nothing here and and hope the price just stays this way. There's no way to get this across to everybody. There's an implied collusion that's going on here. So, it's the same thing with these rewards programs. You, you don't have to worry about, oh, if I if I try to exploit this, then it's going to ruin it for everybody. Because someone always will be. There will always be several someones. It's only if you find something like really, really unusual and weird that is highly unlikely for anyone else to realize, then that's a, an argument to leave it alone. But otherwise, you should do what's best for you here, because the casino is acting in its own best interests. You should be acting in yours without actually cheating or uh, doing anything illegal. So, and, and never feel guilty about it. They're out to take your money. If you can find a way to take their money, then do it. So, just wanted to mention that because I, I saw this explanation. I, I saw that the criticism toward me here, and I wanted to respond to it. And I don't feel I'm doing anything wrong. So, moving on to the next topic here. I think we're pretty close to the end of the show. Which is good. I've been on for three hours, and honestly, when I'm talking myself, it can get difficult to do. Bitcoins. That will be our final topic tonight. Bitcoins. I'm going to check right now. Bitcoins are currently $648 each. Last week on the show, they were in the 300s. Prior to that, I don't know if it was a week before, but a few weeks before, they were in the 100s. Obviously, we've had another run-up. And it ran up even more. A few days ago, it was as high as 900. To show you the volatility we're talking about here, it was 900 a few days ago. Today, at one point, it was $453, currently $648. It's been kind of sitting around the sixes through the entire show. I think when the show started, it was around 620 now it's 648 What's going on here? Think about, I don't know, three years ago. Bitcoin for $5 each. Now, at some point before that, they were cents each, but that was when hardly anyone knew about them. But when they were starting to get known, but not as mainstream as they are today, they were $5 each. I knew about them when they were $5 each. I considered even buying some when they were $5 each, and I said, nah, I don't feel like getting involved in this. Do I regret that now? Of course I do. <laughs> if, I, if I bought uh, $1,000 worth of Bitcoins at $5 each, if I just bought 200 of them, that would now be worth well over 100000 right now. 
I don't know if I would have held on to them all this time. I probably would have sold them at uh, various points. But if I did hold on, they'd be worth uh, over 100000 now. That $1,000 investment three years ago. That's a pretty good return on investment. So, of course, I wish I bought some back then. I think everybody does. So what does this mean? With a Bitcoin being worth so much right now, what does this mean for the future of Bitcoin? What values can we expect to see in the long term from Bitcoin? And, uh, you know, even with the busts against Silk Road, Bitcoin just kept going up. It didn't even affect it. So does this show us that Bitcoin are here to stay? And, in fact, should you go out and buy Bitcoins right now at $648? Well, I say definitely not. I'll give you the reasons. First of all, in general... You always have to be wary when buying something as it's rising, because you never know when the top will be. Now, at the beginning of the rise, it's not that dangerous to buy, because it hasn't taken off that much from the bottom point, and you're not risking that much. When I say the bottom point, I mean the stable point of where the rise started from. And I'm not just speaking of Bitcoin, I'm talking about any kind of investment. Uh, After it goes way up, way past anything you would have originally pictured it would be at. You're always at the risk of being at the bubble point, where the bubble bursts and the whole thing crashes. It happened with the housing market in 2007. It's happened with stocks before. It happened with Bitcoin, in fact, when Bitcoins rose the first time to $250, which now seems like a bargain, but rose to 250 and then crashed all the way down to 66 So, now we had another run-up. Went up as high as 900. It's kind of semi-stabilized at 600, but not that stable because it was 453 at some point today. So, even if you say, even if you think there's a good chance it's going to keep rising, why is it not smart to buy Bitcoins right now at $648? Let me go back to my original example about how I wish I bought a thousand coins, or of course more than a thousand coins. Uh, I, I wish I made some kind of investment when they were five dollars. Some kind of smallish event, investment, thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, something where it wouldn't kill me at all if I lost, but if it went way up, I would make huge money. If you buy them at five dollars and buy a lot of them, there's a big potential upside in that if they rise way, way up, they can rise many, many times their value that you bought them at. It can happen fairly easily. So if it even goes from 5 to 50, which doesn't seem like a gigantic rise, your value has multiplied by 10. If it goes from 5 to 500, it's multiplied by 100. But when it gets higher and higher, then your potential to make money, as far as you know, factors of whatever you purchase them at, goes way down. Let me give you an example. Let's say you buy a Bitcoin today for $600. Let's say it slips to 600 You buy it at 600 believing it's going to go back up. Now let's say Bitcoins actually do well and go all the way to $1,500. Bet you'll be pretty happy, right? Let's say you sell them at that point. Was it a good investment? Yes. 
So how much did you make? I mean, it went up nine hundred dollars. It went up from six hundred to fifteen hundred. That's a. It's never had a nine hundred dollar rise. The highest it's ever been is nine hundred itself. So will you have cleaned up? No. You will have made two and a half times your investment. Nice, but not spectacular. So if you buy at six hundred, even if it goes to six thousand, you've only made ten times. Compare that to the potential to make 10 or 100 times when it was at $5, or even $50. That potential is much, much less now, because there's going to be some limit. You're not going to see bitcoins going for 10000 each. It's never going to happen. I'm even surprised they're at 600 each. You're not going to see 10000 each. You're not going to see just insane returns on your investment here, like you would have if you bought them when they were 5 bucks. But what about non-insane returns? What do you say I'm not looking to make 10 times or 100 times? I'm, I'll be happy with two times. I want, what if I just buy them at 600, hope they go to 1,200 and sell them then? Well, the problem is we have no basis to believe they will rise to 1,200. If you remember last time, they rose to 250, then the market corrected itself. It crashed down to 66 and then went back to around 100 and sat there for a long time. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but always kind of around 100. Only recently did we have a run-up. So another correction, I mean, we already had the correction from 900, but another correction could be coming very soon. It could go back down to 300, it could go back down to 100. We don't know. Or there's the catastrophic possibility that they'll be worth almost zero. Unlike a house, if you buy a house during a housing bubble, if your house crashes in value... You're still in the same house. Your house hasn't gotten any worse. It still has value. It's still a house. It still has actual value. That's why it's called real estate. Bitcoin does not have that. The only reason Bitcoin has value is that people believe that they can use it for goods and that they can trade it with other people for real money. If that ability goes away, if the government interferes in some way and that goes away, then they'll drop to about worthless. You say, maybe the government can't interfere with it. That's what people said about online poker. The government can interfere with anything. People thought Silk Road was safe. People thought uh, the government, there was no way that they could uh, monitor your transactions on Silk Road. And I talked about on the show how that was exactly done. They can do anything they want. If the government really wanted to interfere with bitcoins, they could. And you never know when that'll happen. It could happen extremely soon. Could happen five years from now. Could happen a year from now. It'll happen at some point. At some point, this will be regulated in some way. And if it starts to look too much like an alternative currency, the U.S. government's not going to let it happen. U.S. government hates alternative currencies. And I've heard so many excuses as to why the government cannot stop it, why if the government tries to attack Bitcoin, it will have no effect, why the government won't attack Bitcoin, that they'll be totally fine with it. They've already decided they're fine with it. No, they haven't. And if Bitcoin eventually does get accepted in some way by the government, I have a feeling that it will lose its appeal to a large degree to where, again, the value will crash. 
not crash to zero, but crash a lot from where it is. People like Bitcoin right now because it's speculative. People think they can make a lot of money by getting it now and selling it when it's higher. And also because they're fascinated with its anonymity. It's a way, it's almost like online cash. Anonymous online cash. So, we could easily see a crash if the government were to interfere where the $600 per Bitcoin could fall back to $5. Could fall back to $1. That would only happen if there's some sort of major attack on Bitcoin by the government, but it could happen anytime, just like Black Friday happened anytime. The problem, in my opinion, is the upside right now is not as good as the, as the downside is bad for investing in Bitcoin right now. Could you invest right now and make money? Yes. If you invested last week at 300, you'd be making about uh, double your money right now. So if you think you have the ability to have a feel for when Bitcoin's going up and down and you want to quickly get in, sell it when it goes up and get out, great. I'm not saying there's not some short-term money to be made here if you can figure out the right times to jump in and out. I'm just saying that I don't think it has a long-term future as what it is right now. And I don't think buying a lot of them at $600 each is a good investment. When would it be a good investment? Well, if there's something we've seen is that Bitcoin is prone to run-ups. Sometimes just for no good reason, just because a lot of people suddenly want to buy them and then word gets out about the value rising and everyone jumps on it because they, they want to get a Bitcoin now and before it goes up too much and then sell it later. Everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. That's happened a few times. Then there's the inevitable market correction. Last time it took it as low as $66 before stabilizing at 100 I think it may be wise to purchase Bitcoin during the next market correction. Now, it's hard to know when to jump in and purchase it because, like, for example, the $66 that happened last time, you didn't know the 66 was the low. As far as you knew, it could have fallen all the way back down to 5. So you only know the 66 from looking back on it. So what you're looking for, if you want to buy Bitcoin, in my opinion, is to wait for a crash then wait for the value to either stabilize or start to rise again after the crash. So let's say this current Bitcoin value crashes down to 150. And then it either stays at 150 or it rises to 175 and then sits there for a while. And for a while, I don't mean a long time. I even mean like a few days. That might be the time to buy. Because that's a sign that it's stabilized at a different value and you just wait for the next run up and then sell them when they run up big you make a few times your money and you sell them and what I would do as far as selling your bitcoins that you've bought cheaper like let's say you buy them at 150 and they run back up to 600 and you wonder when is the right time to sell I would just camp out at my computer, watch mtgox.com, mtgox.com, watch the values, and watch for when it peaks and starts to fall. And right when it starts to fall, 
Try to unload them as soon as possible And you'll get one of the highest values That's how I would do it Yes, you risk that it hits the peak and then falls quickly But I think that's the best way to do it Watch closely for when the peak hits And then when it starts to go down instead of go, continue to go up Then quickly list them and sell them all Or maybe sell half of them And sell half later That's what I would suggest And that is actually something I will probably do myself I'll probably watch the Bitcoin market and do it So I'm not going to buy any right now But if I see what looks like a stabilized market correction I probably will buy some And maybe I'll end up looking like a fool Maybe I'll buy some after the next market correction And then it will crash again And be worth $10 And I'll have lost a lot of money But I'm not going to put in tons of money into it But I might put something like 10000 or something into it Take a shot I think there is money to be made I mean you can't you can't dismiss it Someone who got in with bitcoins three years ago And, and held them At least even through the first run up Could have made a fortune Could have made 50 times their money I mean it would take a lot of A lot of risk taking To have held on to bitcoins From when you purchased them at $5 This long and not have sold them at any point I mean, it's easy to say, but when you watch something increase so much and, you know, it could just disappear any time, it's hard not to pull the trigger and sell it. But that's what I would suggest, anyway. Not from any expert analysis, not from any anything I know that you don't. Just, uh, just my opinion, just from watching the whole thing. I do have one other topic that I haven't brought up yet I actually um, Actually no, I'm sorry, I did bring it up Never mind, I was going to talk about Marco and Quad Jacks But I forgot I brought it up already Alright, so I guess we're done here I guess we don't have much more to say On this broadcast We'd like to Thank everybody for listening We will be back in six days on November 26th, the actual official launch date for the New Jersey online gambling sites. You know, now that I think of it... Hold on. Stop the music. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, Hello? Yes. Uh, I just heard that... Sorry, I just heard the like the end of the show music. Am I actually on the air? Yeah, yeah, you are. I I, I stopped the music um, so you can call in. Uh, oh yeah, I just wanted to ask you a couple questions about bitcoins. Um, yeah, who who are you by the uh, way? Th- this is this is Sinner, or I'm Sinner on Center. Uh, on okay. PFA. Yeah. Um, did you hear any of the hearings uh, at the Senate uh, on Monday or Tuesday? I heard about them. I didn't read much about it. Uh, I, I I've been busy for the last few days. Uh, maybe you can tell me some about it, but I, I can already tell you, no matter what was said at these hearings, I don't believe that the government's going to leave Bitcoin alone and just let it continue as it is right now. I agree with that, but I don't think they're going to try to squash it. I think they're going to try to have some sort of regulation um, based on everything they said at the two hearings and also Ben Lossky, uh He's some New York... Uh, I don't know exactly what his title is, but... Um, he said that they're also not going to try to squash it. Um, uh, sir, uh, sorry, I have a couple points I wanted to ask you about. Um, uh, when you were talking about when to buy, um, 
I would look at Google Trends and not buy when Bitcoin is spiking on Google Trends. Um, also, uh, do you realize that the Chinese government basically, uh, like, they endorse Bitcoin, like they very much support it? Uh, no, I didn't know that, though. Uh, I, do, you I know still think that... do you know what CCTV is? Yeah. Uh, Chinese Central Television. Yeah. If if something gets on that station, it's uh, um, it, it's pretty much a, I mean, it's a communist government-run TV station. Uh, if it gets on there, it means that the government has approved it, and there have been four Bitcoin segments over the last few months, like long segments, like half hour. Um, and I assume you know that BTC China is the largest exchange right now. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, that's that's... I understand all that, and um, but I still think that if the U.S. government uh, makes motions against it, it's it's such a volatile market. As you see, it spikes up just sometimes just for no reason. Where just uh, everyone yeah. wants to jump on the bad wagon, and then and then it corrects the market corrects itself for no reason. It's not even like things happen and cause uh, these to fall. I just think that if the U.S. government really decides to go after them, or even if they regulate them to where it, it they lose their appeal. Uh, I think even if it's uh, still popular in other countries, I think it's really just going to – the value will really get hurt and people get nervous. All it takes is everyone to get nervous and, and just the whole thing crashes down. But I, I totally agree with you about the about the spiking, that you just don't – you don't buy as it's shooting up. Uh, you, you buy when it comes down because you never know when the, the top is going to be. Um, so do you think that the U.S. government is going to try to ban Bitcoin the way, you know, like the war on drugs, for example? I, I think that uh, – so you can't ban the Bitcoin. People, people use that as an argument. It has no central server or anything, so you can't just say, okay, Bitcoins are done. There's, there's no way to stop Bitcoins. But what you can do is mm-hmm. you can stop the exchange of Bitcoin for real money. That that can be done. They, they can stop. They can stop that in the U.S., not in China, Germany, Canada, or Mexico, or anywhere else. Well, it depends. It depends um, if they get some kind of cooperation, or even if they try to sabotage it themselves. There's there's many things they can do if they feel it's still affecting Americans, uh, and or if, if there's there's a lot that can happen. And but the thing is, that's that's where Bitcoin value really is. That's where its weakness is. That's its Achilles' heel is the ability to exchange it for real money. And, uh, um, and and I think I still really think if Americans are taken out of the Bitcoin market, uh, I, I think that's really going to shatter the confidence in it. Uh, I I just don't have confidence for the long term, and I think that if the U.S. government regulates it and turns it into some sort of regulated form of online cash, that no, it's no longer going to have the allure like it has. And you mean it won't be used for uh, things like Silk Road and such? Yeah, yeah. There's no way they're going to let this go on. Like, um, like, like. I mean, but so, so, but they'll. So you don't think people would just move to Litecoin, for example, for for that activity? No, whatever they do to, to Bitcoin, they can do to Litecoin or anything else that uh, that imitates Bitcoin. And and so let, let's let's take this hypothetical. Uh, of course, everybody remembers the Columbine shooting, and we've had other ones like this, like at Virginia Tech or wherever. Let, let's say we have some kind of mass shooting, either at a school or even like in a workplace or a public place, and mm-hmm. it, with, with some kind of high, high-powered banned uh, assault rifles. And when it's investigated how the perpetrator got all his guns, it's found out that he purchased them on Silk Road or some similar site. There's no way 
that after something like that happens, that the government's going to say, okay, well, no problem. Uh, we'll just let people keep buying illegal guns with bitcoins on the internet. Uh, I mean, what if what, what if what if the terrorists drove a Prius to this uh, to this shooting? Are they going to arrest the CEO of Toyota too? No, no, they're not. But I'm saying that one in one way is uh, is just someone using a a legal product to do something illegal. Another one is is obtaining an illegal product or a product where you're supposed to be registered to to who's buying it. So like. If you can use anything, but they can already they can already obtain guns w- without licenses and with dollars. I know that, but this is this is like a, a centralized place where you can do it. It, it. It's easiest to do it this way. You don't have to go to gun shows. You don't have to appear anywhere. It's a this is a, a much easier way to do it. And once this becomes, once something happens to where we have some kind of bad incident from something that was purchased on Silk Road or just some kind of expose, a major news story on it or whatever. Um, I mean, there have already been tons of exposés on the drugs in Silk Road, and they stopped selling guns. Guns are very difficult to ship through the uh, through the mail. I mean, I think you're more likely to see a problem or, or an attack against 3D printing uh, in relation to guns than than Bitcoin in relation to guns. You can, ha- you can have it with any of these. Anything that's, that's circumventing the U.S. government's control on or U.S. laws that it, that this is circumventing, uh, they're not going to just let this stand for the long term. I don't mean I don't think that. It's, so, do, so do you have any do you have any predictions that we can test? Like, do you think Bitcoin will not exist in ten years? I, I think in ten years it will be nothing like either won't exist or will be nothing like what we see it today. I think there will, ne- uh, there will okay. not and be you, this. And you, you also said that you think a ten thousand dollar Bitcoin is impossible. So. 21 million Bitcoin times 10,000 is about, what, $210 billion, uh for market cap? Are you saying that, that, that you never see that happening? I, I don't think that's likely. But uh, I especially what I think is less likely is um, uh, what, I, what I really think is less likely is that Bitcoin will remain untouched and will pretty much be what it is today. In, in 10 years that the, it's just something that they can't let stand for the long term otherwise it just uh, it, it just opens too much up to circumvent US laws to where people say why bother following these laws if you can if you just go on Silk Road and do the, it's just too, too big of a, a hole it's too huge of a hole where, where things can't be tracked as easily where, uh, where, where things that normally uh, cannot be purchased can be and it, it's all in one well, place. I mean, you it's can track you currency. can track Bitcoin purchases much easier than you can track cash purchases. Yeah, but they're easier to make. They're a lot easier. Cash cash purchases you have to meet in person and do it. You, it's it's, uh, um, it's it's very hard to make cash purchases on a mass scale. You you can't put up a website and sell a bunch of things anonymously for cash. It just uh, it just doesn't work. So uh, here I have a uh, bearing poker's calling and he probably wants to chime in on this. Let's see. I, okay. okay. I, I, I don't think that that Bitcoin have. I, I don't think that it's necessarily immediately that we're going to see these changes. I just think at some point there's going to be a clampdown, much like there was in online poker, which I also felt that and online like, poker still exists in the rest of the world and the U.S. It does, but it's it's a different matter, and they and they shut it as far as like poker stars and folks. Any major trustworthy site does not exist in the U.S. right now. And and uh, and only now they're starting to introduce the legalized sites, which I mean I, I have heard of people VPNing those sites uh, from the U.S. Yeah, but that's a very small percentage to do. It's, it's where no one really yeah. they're not worried about that. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it, it's just it was something that I knew couldn't persist that way. I knew it wasn't just like you you couldn't have these mass market sites like PokerStars offering to U.S. customers and. Uh, 
uh, just completely thumbing their nose at U.S. law and, and have this go on so, forever. So are you, are, are you going to start shorting Bitcoins anytime soon or in the future, do you think? No, I don't, I, I'm not even shorting Bitcoins. In fact, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the 600 price that we're seeing now uh, goes up and, and stabilizes somewhere higher. Maybe we have, like last week we were at 300, now we're at 600. Maybe next week when I'll be doing the, the broadcast, it'll be 1,000. And then maybe... So, so you maybe, think 1,000 is possible, but 10,000 is impossible? Yeah, I don't think I don't see 10,000, but but I see... Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad this is being recorded, because someday... Okay, well, maybe I'll be proven <laughs> wrong, but, but uh, I, I think that... What will happen will be, uh, you know, it, it easily there will be some kind of stability again in the Bitcoin price. That that I'm predicting is going to happen fairly soon, where we're going to have a a point where it just stops and and kind of sits around the same place for quite some time. We're we're not near that right now, but m- maybe the 600 we're seeing it rotate around right now is is going to be the next stable price. And then uh, now 600, I probably won't be buying it at. But if if we see some kind of big decline from here. Then I would probably buy in once it's done declining. That, that's that's what I'll. Yeah, do. I, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think in a, in a couple months you, you'll see the price get a little bit more boring, and it'll be a better price. It could be less than a couple months. It could easily stabilize next week. I mean, it's a. Yeah. It, it could be very soon. Uh, the last time it crashed and then stabilized, it happened pretty quickly. So uh, I I don't know where it's going to stabilize. I'm not even necessarily predicting the stabilization is going to be less than where it is now. It's just at some point okay. it's going to go up, and then it's going to crash again, and then it's going to stop, and it's going to be around the same for a while. And then I think probably another run-up in the future, and I think that's where you can take advantage of the most of it. And, and I will uh, – the only way I won't is if it keeps – if it goes up from here and, and then doesn't crash that much and stabilizes there, I won't trust it. But if it goes down okay. significantly, well, then I will. That's, that's my opinion. I could, you know, I could end up being wrong about this whole thing, but it's just my, okay. my observations. That there's not much to – History to base this on because this is all yeah, new you and it's a new concept. You can compare it very much to BitTorrent um, in the way that Napster evolved into Kazaa and a couple other things, and then BitTorrent. And now BitTorrent's not as big in the U.S. as it is in the rest of the world, but it makes up a significant portion of internet traffic in the rest of the world. Yeah, you know the difference with BitTorrent though is that you're not seeing a lot of this. Uh, it's not money being exchanged very much. It's just people kind of doing it True. voluntarily. It's just uh, people aren't. I've always thought these. Wars on on piracy are sometimes misguided because I understand how it's frustrating where people are getting work for free that that you've produced and uh, you know I'd be pissed too if I had something that I produced whether it was uh, for a mass market or a small market as he's being pirated but at the same time a large percentage of the people pirating things are pirating things that they otherwise would not have bought to where it, it's frustrating and and technically it is stealing but. It, in reality, uh, it's, if they didn't do it, everything would still be the same because they wouldn't have spent the money on it, and they're getting it for free. But it's it's not like uh, it's not like stealing food from the store where you would have otherwise had to pay for the food because if you if you don't, you're, you can't eat and you're going to die. You know, so it's it's one of these things where people are getting a lot of stuff they don't really need, but they just they just do it because it's available. But if it wasn't there, they wouldn't buy it anyway. So that's that's where I think the piracy is different. And the BitTorrent stuff, people are just exchanging because uh, because they can, and they they just like exchanging things and uh, getting all this stuff for free without paying for it. But but at the same time, they could live without it if they didn't have it. So um, I, I'm not saying it costs these companies no money because obviously it does cost. You know, if you if you would have otherwise downloaded a song from iTunes, you get it for free. Then then 
you know, whoever would have made the money from that loses, and if you would have bought a DVD and instead just download the movie, then, you know, same thing, but Bitcoin, these are real financial transactions back and forth, so that, that's where I think it's going to mm-hmm. be, there's going to be a lot more action against it. Yeah, I mean, maybe in the U.S., but I think the rest of the world does want it, and I, I don't know, I guess I I disagree on maybe the extent to which the U.S. will have an effect on it in the future, but uh, I guess we'll just have to watch and see it play out. Yeah, beer and poker. You have anything to say about this? Yeah, I, I was calling for another subject, but I will say that I think um, Bitcoin. It seemed like when Silk Road got busted and they seized one and a half percent of the bitcoins, or it was like one hundred forty-four thousand, I believe it was. Um, that people waited a little while to see what was going to happen, but there's some, there's still other sites like Silk Road out there, and I think that kind of helps drive the price. And some of the people then I think just decided to buy them up. And I think that's what caused a spike because you only have so many Bitcoins in circulation. I think if they drop down and level back out and something like this happens again, they'll probably go back up. Just the key would be to sell them when you you try to find out when they're going to go down again. You know what I mean? Uh, So beer and poker, do you think Bitcoin has a long-term future? Um, I could see it being around for a few more years. I, I I don't know about how long. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, Sinner, thank you for calling up about this. It was an interesting discussion. I know there's a lot of different points of view on the uh, Bitcoin, and uh, the the one thing with this, there's no way to really tell who's right. We'll set to see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. It's, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you. So, okay. beer and poker. What are you calling it about? You said you have a different topic. I, um, yeah. I guess you, you didn't really cover the Marco subject too much. Chat was asking about it. I was kind of curious too. Oh, you know what? Maybe I didn't cover it. No, you I, mentioned it, but you didn't cover it. Okay, okay. So much has happened tonight with this show. I just kind of, I, I kind of went all over the place. It was kind of when Team MLK called in. I kind of just got confused. <laughs> he just, he threw me <laughs> off. So, all right, okay. so you're, you're right. I, I did not bring up the Marcos. I brought it up, but I didn't discuss it. That's exactly what happened. All right. So the Marco subject. There's not a whole lot to say here. Marco has left Quad Jacks again. This is the second time he's left Quad Jacks. I don't think he was an owner. I think he was just an employee there. And I think for the second time in a row, Marco did a lot of work and didn't make a lot of money from it. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the guys running Quad Jacks are like the snake in the grass. I, I don't think they're necessarily bad guys. I think that, uh, I mean, only Marco and they know what happened, and I don't have any kind of inside scoop on this one. I, I do know that Marco will not make any statement about it other than that something like we had disagreements about the direction of the site, which is never good. That Usually when there's a disagreement for the direction of something, that means some pretty bad disagreements. Otherwise, if it's if it really is just a minor disagreements or someone doesn't have enough time anymore, then you just say, well, the person doesn't have time. Well, you know, just decide to move on. When you go as far to say we had disagreements about the direction of the site, that usually means some pretty contentious stuff back and forth. And, and I'm not saying that Marco got cheated anyway, or the guys running it, or like the snake in the grass. The snake in the grass, you know, the first incarnation of Quad Jacks, he, this guy was a specialist in getting people to do free work for him that he profited from. And this guy you know, did whatever he could to profit off of other people's work. And uh, we even saw him directly do that with Seriously Serious' work. So... Uh, I don't think it's a situation like that. I don't have any inside information as to what happened. But, you know, these guys bought it from the snake. And 
they were kind of trying to bring Marco back and making it like the old quad jacks minus the snake. And Marco yeah, I was, s- I was, I looked at his Twitter earlier and it looked like he was uh, filming a video where he was down at the ultimate poker uh, headquarters in New Jersey. Marco. Yeah. yeah. So I guess he's maybe he's doing some stuff on his own. Yeah, he is. He's doing stuff on his own. And I, I think he's kind of just drifting and, and, Hoping somebody picks him up You know, he has a following in the poker world He he does seem like a pretty good journalist And he seems like a, a smart guy And, you know, he has a lot of potential I think to land somewhere That's significant He definitely has the talent to do that The problem is, as I was mentioning earlier in the show The poker market is just not that big As far as, like, news media type jobs are concerned You're never going to get a super high profile job Unless you're a hot chick who's going to be introducing Uh... Um, things on high stakes poker or whatever. You like, could have went out for the poker news, girl. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so no, he would have been a good interviewer, though. I mean, it's what he should be doing. I think. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I would like, for example, seriously serious. He landed in a good place for him at Bluff, and he's done a lot of great work over there. And and not even work you'd expect him to do. He wasn't necessarily making song parodies over there, but he did a lot of good interviews. He he's in touch with what the poker community wants to hear. Uh, he's made a lot of good videos And even some videos that are kind of more like his traditional style uh, It was just a good place for him to land He he finally got noticed by the right people And got a job that, that was good for him Now Seriously Serious is not going to make uh, huge money over there Doing the job he does But he you know, he probably makes okay money He does something he enjoys And, uh, and he's definitely an asset to the company uh, I think Marco needs to land somewhere like that That can use the talents he has as an interviewer and a journalist And I, I don't think Marco's a bad guy I, th- I thought uh, He kind of Fell in with a bad crowd Or a bad one man crowd in the snake With a snake in the grass uh, I, I never thought Marco himself Was a bad person And I don't know what happened with this new site A lot of times when people start websites They have unrealistic Expectations of the money it will make Everybody I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people who start new websites, they have huge eyes and they they just imagine that they're going to make a fortune, that they can retire off what their site's going to make them, or they can quit their job. They they imagine I'm going to start this site, everyone's going to want to visit. I'll sell ads. I'll hey, if I sell five thousand dollars of ads worth a month, that'll be sixty thousand a year. I'll just quit my job where I'm currently making sixty thousand a year, and I'll just sit and run my website all day. And what if I sell double that? I'll make one hundred twenty thousand a year. And what if I sell 20 times that, I'll make over a million a year Like they, they, they start getting all excited And they don't realize how hard it actually is To make money With a website It's just very tough Websites for the most part Support existing businesses Rather than become successful businesses on their own There's of course some very successful exceptions um, But uh, most of them fail and the one thing I gotta say about Marco is he seems like he's got a good work ethic, though. And yeah, that's probably what can land him a good job somewhere because he seems like he's really inter- interested in poker and everything. Like when Quad Jacks came around um, uh, back in you know right around Black Friday, um, they you know they took the bro- their broadcast and broadcast for several days after that and kept it going. And I'm sure they made a little bit of money, you know, from people donating and stuff for the uh, maybe a little bit for a couple months there, but it was never really going to get that big. It was it was coming around in a time where uh, the, you know, the poker market was dying in America. 
Yeah, I, I noticed that he put a ton of effort into that site, and seriously, Sirius did too. I mean, they they really put a whole lot of work in there, and I know the snake kept most of the money. I don't think it made huge money, but he actually the snake was very good at hustling, and and uh, he made a big mistake with the subscription format they did there. But but uh, as far as hustling for ads, and uh, he was very good at that sort of thing. So I think they made some money there, and I think the snake kept almost all of it. I think Marco made very little, and I have a feeling as an employee of the new Quad Jacks, even though they didn't specifically say he was an employee, I think he probably was. I don't think he owned any of it. And if I had to guess, I have no information saying that this is true, but if I had to guess, I think the new Quad Jacks was not making any money, and they were demanding all kinds of time for Marco, and Marco said, look, you know, I can only spend so much on this. I'm not making any money from this. Like, or maybe they wanted to, you know, they told him they can't pay him until the site makes money or something like that. And then they wanted him to do the same amount of work. I, when they say direction of the site, you look at the site and it's like a poker news kind of site. Like, they, I don't see anything controversial there to where Marco would have objected to it. So I, I think that it was more just on how they were working together or how he gets compensated, especially if he was an employee. Maybe they were going to compensate him on commission and it wasn't making anything and they wanted him to keep going out and busting his ass. Uh, it, may, it may have been something like that to where... Yeah, he went and did a lot of uh, interviews in the World Series where he, they were in like the hallway and he's pulling people over. And maybe they just wanted him for the World Series. They didn't really want to tell him that, but um, they wanted to see how they're... What they're direction was if they had got a following from the World Series and not they maybe they just didn't grow as much as they thought they would. Yeah. Okay, so we have a, another caller on the air. Hello. Hey guys, how's it going? And uh, who might this be? I think I know, but uh, this is Thomas Keeling. Okay. That's, I, I didn't know if you wanted to say who you were, if this is an anonymous call. I knew who it was, but uh, yeah. so so I, I suppose you have something to add seriously serious as far I as do. Uh, what's going on here. Yeah, you know, there's a story about Quad Jacks that nobody knows that I feel needs to be told. Okay, great. The person who, the person who told me this doesn't really want a huge deal being made out of it, so this is a while ago that I learned this. But basically, Quad Jacks was never actually owned by Zach. Huh. It was the it was registered to, and it was um, it was all bankrolled by a third party who was very hands-off and didn't get involved too much and basically just let Zach run it. Over over a few years, Claude Jacks sort of, um, you know, they put in a lot of work and it's sort of built up some value because it, it developed an audience. Yes. It became worth something. Towards the end, uh, around the time that Marco left, the first time, I forget if it was shortly before or shortly after, but... Um, uh, Zach, Zach basically uh, sort of extorted the ownership of Quad Jacks from this person. Uh, made lots of threats. I think he owed him money and said, well, I'm never going to pay you back if you don't just sign it all over to me. Something weird like that. He basically forced this person to, uh, to give him Quad Jacks. And then Zach turned right around and sold it. Oh, wow. Well, it's not, not surprising, I'll say that. Interesting story, yeah. though, and so so. But you don't have any information or knowledge or knowledge you can share about the current situation with uh, why Marco left. The, the current situation? No, I have no idea. I've never talked to him about it. I've only um, I've only run into him a couple of times uh, since since all that happened, and we haven't really spoken much. 
Yeah, I, mean, I know you two had a falling out at the time when you left, and he was still with Quad Jack, and he was still under the influence of the snake. But I, I have to imagine that he, like, I, I know that like even me and Marco made peace, and it was funny because Marco, he, he got the wrong impression that I hated him. And I, I didn't. Yeah. I said I was just I have a problem with the way the snake was acting, and you're not going to convince me that the snake wasn't doing the things he was doing. But uh, at the same time, I don't think you were involved, and I don't blame you. But uh, but uh, so Marco and I, we we ironed all our all of our issues out, you know, regarding that uh, huge feud that we had, and even throughout the whole time, he he insisted that you know the decisions that he made, he made of his own volition. And I never really believed that. I always felt like Zach was still sort of pulling strings or at least having some influence over some of the nastier things that happened. I still do believe that. Yeah, I think um, so, too. But we're, we're cool now. Yeah. What is that in the background? I hear, like, wind chimes or something. Those are wind chimes. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll walk away from them. I guess it's kind of windy there where you are. Yeah, it's a little bit windy out here. I see. Well, but uh, yeah, that's that's a story that I felt needs wow. needs being told. I don't think I don't think I've I don't think I've uh, you know said anything that will cause any trouble. No, I, 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 I you know not. it's funny because my first exposure to Zach was through the Maven. I didn't even know about anything with Quad Jacks. I just I knew him back in the days where he was uh, he had some involvement with the Maven's whole thing with his his training things, where like people would come to the Maven's house and pay to spend a weekend there and, and be trained by the Maven. And Zach was something like a business manager with all that, and I never quite understood exactly what Zach's role was. But then one yeah, day, he's I, really good at just kind of getting his claws into people, and yeah. you know, sort of just hanging on and and getting what he can out of people, just squeezing every last drop. And then I know he had a falling out with the Maven too. Like it was just, uh, it always seems to end the same way with him. In that way, he is a remarkably skilled and talented person. It's just too bad you can't use those powers for good. Yeah, that, that's what I thought too. I thought I thought he was very good with those sorts of things, but uh, very, very good with with uh, self promotion sort of things, or even promoting others. But right. Uh, anyway, that's what it seemed like to me. He'd get like a few workhorses, and he would just get, get, get that job, and he'd get a few people to do everything for him, basically. <laughs> I learned a lot from getting burned that way. Um, I've managed to avoid a few similar situations that could have gone badly uh, because I learned my lesson. And as you mentioned earlier, I landed on my feet and I'm in a good place now. And, um, you know, I hope so too, that, that, uh, that Marco finds his way. He's, when he's going out to all these uh, gaming conferences, he's doing a lot of networking. I'm sure, I'm sure things are going to go well for him. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, some years down the road, he's probably way more successful than me. Yeah, well, you know, Marco, he does need to just be discovered by the right people, and I, I could, I could see him with some kind of mainstream success if uh, he is discovered by the right ones, and uh, that's probably what he's hoping for. And I, I think, if I had to guess, I still think with Quad Jacks that it was like they hired him, and then it was probably on some kind of like you get a percentage of whatever the site makes or something where he doesn't own it, but he gets some kind of commission, and then, and then the site didn't make money, and they wanted him to keep working, and he said can't do this anymore and <laughs> something like that whatever it was it wasn't very amicable because you don't say we had a disagreement with the direction of the site if you're really leaving on great terms you just don't i mean i'll be honest i'm i'm really curious what happened no i am too i, 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 I don't I, know I, I would love to know like like if you think about why Maybe I left, ask him. if you think about when i left uh donk down i, I 
you could say I had a disagreement with the way the site was being managed and the direction of it. You could say that, and it would be true. But you know, everybody who followed that situation saw it, it got very ugly at one point. And, you know, that's all behind us now. But but uh, you know, if, if this wasn't all made public, and I just said oh, we had a disagreement of uh, the way the site was, the direction of the site, that wouldn't really be an accurate way to describe it, even though it's technically true. So uh, I think it's something like that, and I, I I have a feeling it probably had to do with the work he was doing and what he was getting paid. But anyway, that's just uh, just for us to guess. He won't make any statement. He's he's probably not pissed enough to where he feels that he has to trash the owners of it, but I think he also isn't very happy with them, if I had to guess. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. Thanks for right, taking thank, my call. Thank you, Sirius Sirius. Good night. So, anyway. When he went, when he went back to uh, Quad Jacks, did he quit his other job? or did, I can't remember. What, what job did he have before that, that he, that he quit Quad Jacks the first time to get? Oh, I don't, he, didn't, he didn't really have any job. I think he's kind of just... I he got know, a job in between. Did he? I don't know. With poker, uh, what was it? Can't remember. Yeah, I don't even know. I thought he didn't okay. have one. I thought he just didn't do anything in between. But he, he got a job in between. I guess he has to support Orange. himself. Okay. I guess he has that's to support himself some way. I guess I, I kind of forget this about people. <laughs> GPI Global Poker. Index. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You, you know, I I forget this about certain people in poker because I just I guess I've gotten too conditioned dealing with poker players. Who once they're kind of ingrained in the community, can a lot of them can just survive for years and years on stakes and loans without really ever winning. And I I think that I forget that people on the poker media side of thing really do have to have a job because they're not going to get people staking them because they're not poker players. Like like I don't see many people staking Marco or loaning Marco a lot of money because he's just he's not a poker player. Right. So so that's that's the problem when you work in the media is you really do have to have a job and you can't just drift forever without working unless you have your family supporting you or whatever. So I, I forget that sometimes. I'm just so used to... It, it really is true in poker that once you are like really ingrained in the community, you can just, if you really want to, just uh, jump from one person loaning you and staking you to the next and really survive a long time once people know who you are. So uh, Neverwin came up with a great term for that called virtual bankroll. <laughs> And uh, he actually came up with that term when I remember he loaned someone money. And I said, why do you loan that guy money? Um, something like, I, I asked him, why do you loan him money? I thought you don't have that much yourself these days. And he said, virtual bankroll. Now that guy will feel like he has to loan me money when I really need it. I said, oh, interesting. Long as you get paid back. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I think it was someone like like who was sort of reliable to pay back, but not like completely. It wasn't like a 100% you're going to get paid, but someone who wasn't like a Chino either. It's kind of like somewhere in the middle. So okay. that, that's why I kind of questioned him. Like, you know, like someone that's kind of an unknown, just kind of someone you've seen around that doesn't have a bad rep, but also doesn't have a rock solid rep. So it was something kind of like that. So anyway, starting the song kind of in the middle because we had started. I'm not going to play the first 12 seconds again that we already played. Yeah, it wouldn't either. We don't do repeats on this show. So uh, this ended up being an extra hour, four-hour show. Next week, six days from now, November 26th, will be the next show. It will be the... Actually, yeah, it'll be Tuesday, uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So that's when we plan to do the next one. And every Tuesday for the foreseeable future. I think there may be one in December 
that I have to change to Wednesday again. But we'll let you guys know that when that occurs. Just always follow my Twitter or follow Poker Fraud Alert. If I'm going to be making a change to the schedule, there's usually something at the top in light blue saying that the radio schedule has changed for that particular week. So I'd like to thank the people who called in. Sinner, Beer and Poker, Seriously Serious, Josie, and yes, even TMMLK. And thank all the people in the chat room, all of our listeners, all the people who donated to the free roll for our $68 free roll tonight. Poker Fraudler has given away more money in its free rolls than any poker radio show in the world. It's the truth, and the money all came from our community, which I'm very proud of. So... We will wait to see what happens with a lot of things here. And as always, update any stories we talked about tonight on future programs. And it's funny, every week I go into this show wondering if I'll have enough to talk about it. Every week it ends up three hours minimum. So, I guess that's it. We will be in the archives here within a few hours as usual, sometime sooner. I'm Todd Dandruff with Tellus saying good night to everybody, and we'll see you next week. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom.